the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. Tuesday. Got past Monday. We're into Tuesday. And I don't want to say this too loud, but it didn't rain yesterday. And it was supposed to rain yesterday. What's that all about? Hadn't rained yet today. You're a liar. Yeah. What? You're a liar. <laughs> they just got it wrong. They keep getting it wrong. But Damn. hey, that's okay. I'm excited. It rained on me when I drove home yesterday. Did evening. it really? Yeah. I it was dry as a bone, man, for us. We Liquid sunshine, brother. Yeah, well, we didn't get rain yesterday and I'm haven't seen any rain today. I went and saw my doctor every year I go see the cardiologist and he gave me two thumbs up. Right. Every time I see you, you've been to a doctor. You're starting to sound like an old person. You know, old people sit I'd around like and talk about their ailment and their last doctor's appointment. I'm really. Live. There is a distinct <laughs> reason for this. I'm glad that I'm not talking about my urologist. All Thank right. you. Thank you for sparing us that conversation. Thank you. All I'm talking about is my cardiologist. I'm not saying anything. Jen's tough today. Yes. Hey, I just want you to know that I don't have a cardiologist yet. So I'm healthier than all you guys and let me tell you why she's irritated today because the state police said that they make the laws in this state doggone it don't you be bothering us is that what they they did to you you know we're laughing but it's really not funny what what happened it was a legislative committee today that had a hearing uh on a number of issues but the last topic was with the arkansas state police and they wanted to talk about something that i brought up uh, a couple of months ago regarding all this invasion of privacy on the application you'll remember we talked about this here on the show yes and i'll get to that later but this other bomb was dropped in the process of all of it which goes way beyond even that you know we we have just now reached the point in the state of arkansas where people are finally convinced that we're telling them the truth that we are a constitutional carry state per article 2 sections 5 and 29 of the arkansas state constitution and then we have act 746 and then this last legislative session our house and senate validated that we are a constitutional carry state now Mm -hmm. folks what that means is is that our government has acknowledged what our state constitution says, which is that keeping and bearing arms is a right that you are born with, not a government-issued privilege, okay? So we have all that clarified. The people of the state are finally catching on to that they don't have to have a license to carry concealed. And then Arkansas State Police Colonel Bryant drops this bombshell. I got a cut from the Facebook Live. I want you to play that from the studio. Listen to what the colonel said. I'd like to ask you a couple of questions, basically, for the record. Does Arkansas State Police recognize a citizen's right to possess a firearm, concealed or unconcealed, without having a concealed handgun and carry license? Uh, Representative Payton, as far as the concealed handgun license, that is a statute, and we're required by the statute that was passed by the General Assembly in 1995 to adhere to that statute of concealed handgun license. That wasn't my question. Does the Arkansas State Police recognize an Arkansan's right to possess a firearm, concealed or unconcealed, without 
the, uh, the issuance of a license without the, without having a concealed handgun license? I believe, uh, in my mind, I did answer the question, but uh, you know, I know the General Assembly passed a resolution. And of course, uh, you know, the, uh, you can allow it to carry a weapon, but as far as concealed, I think the statute says you can carry a concealed license. Uh, excuse me, concealed handgun, you must carry, uh, have a concealed handgun carry license. So your answer would be no? I think it's yes and then no. Yes, as far as the ability to carry a weapon, Without a license, but if it's concealed, we must follow the statute. Mm -hmm. So the Arkansas State Police does not recognize an Arkansan's right to carry a concealed handgun without a license. Is that what you're saying? I believe the statute says that, sir. All right. So you don't want to go out there and say that's, you know, that's, we do what the statutes say. Doesn't matter what I think there, Miss Morgan. <laughs> hey, good job, John <laughs> Payton. John Payton was, was not John Payton? Oh, listen, it wasn't that, just John. You, you, didn't, you should I, have I thought heard I the whole meeting. I recognized the voice. That was John Payton. Representative was, Richard Womack, uh, Bob Ballinger, <laughs> all those Republicans, a number of those Republicans really stepped up to the plate and tried to hammer state police about the people's right and acknowledging that. But the bottom line is, and, and we just talked with one of the legislators a few moments ago by phone, they have no control over state State police. The state police answer to the governor. They don't. They don't. That's exactly. The only the only solution that. is to change the law. I mean, to go in and actually do something. And I I expect that our Republicans, especially the strong two A advocates, that this will be a priority in the next session. But in the meantime, we've got another year and a half of confusion well, with the people. I'm not confused. When, but when have they paid any attention to the Constitution or the law? Or the Republican platform. Right. As far as I can tell, that the director of Arkansas State Police doesn't even know what the law says. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's read it from the sound of his testimony. I don't think he knows, I don't what, think the he knows what the Constitution says, says well, either. The whole concept of a concealed handgun licensing program is in conflict with the state constitution well, and the United States Constitution. Yeah, they're restricting, it's restricting, and restricting our rights. I right. dropped my daughter off for a program at a state establishment that she's doing over the summer, mm-hmm. and there was a sign when I went in this morning that you cannot bring a firearm on this premises unless you have the the enhanced concealed weapon license. Right. In other you words, cannot. unless you're a well-off human being who can afford all that extra expense to get the enhanced license and to get the training, so the, then you, if you're a poor person, the your life is less valuable. That's exactly right. But, you know, that was John Payton, wasn't it? I thought that was John. He, he sounded like he was doing a good job there. He was. D- uh, John Payton and, and as well as Richard Warren. Mac and well, uh, Bob Bellinger. Bob Bellinger did I'm a good job, were, too. I'm glad they were holding it to him, but th- maybe they'll read it. But as you know, the all of the executive directors of mm-hmm. all the major branches of government are they answer all, to the governor. They are all appointed, appointed by, the, by gov- the governor. They are appointed by the governor and answer to the governor. So they have regular meetings, mm-hmm. and they do, if they want their job, they do exactly what the governor tells them to do. I've showed up for a committee meeting before. With a member of the mm-hmm. Arkansas State Police that was going to testify on my behalf mm-hmm. that we were doing something good for auto theft. And in the committee meeting, right before he was supposed to testify, you know, I look around and he's gone. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? He got a phone call. 
Right. He got a phone call. So there's one thing I know for a fact Mm -hmm. that politics plays into the state police just like it plays into the FBI. Well, there's no question. There's no no question about what the governor's (laughs) position is on this. I took a screenshot of it uh, a year and a half ago from the governor's own Facebook page, and this is what he said, quote, and I've got it, I know it like the back of my hand. This is what the governor said about the whole constitutional carry position in the state of Arkansas. Governor Hutchinson said on his Facebook page, Arkansas is a constitutional carry state, but that is not inconsistent with a licensing requirement to conceal carry. And still, you should check with your county prosecutor because it's subject to interpretation. Those are the words verbatim from the governor. So I think that the state police are just reiterating what his position is. Now, can I talk about this other issue, the, the one I went there for, that this, this whole concealed handgun licensing thing, that was a bombshell I was not expecting. This is what we talked about three weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, invasion of privacy. And I never got – remember, I called people. Yeah. Nobody would ever go Wanted on talk record about it. Me. Okay. So to refresh your memory, here was something that I was concerned about. And if you fill out an application for a concealed handgun license – this is what this is – in the state of Arkansas, first of all, it's five pages long, okay? Uh, you have to – in the last paragraph, you have to sign a release basically giving state police all access – to every area of privacy in your life. Listen to what you have to release them to. I release any records or reports held by any physician, medical professional, medical facility, mental institution, state or federal agency. That could include your tax returns. Court or law enforcement agency and authorize all such entities to furnish detailed information from their records as it relates to my application and it goes on and on and basically you're just it's like having an nsa in arkansas but here's the thing state police today said that the reason that they do that that kind of overreach is because that that's a requirement by state law and that if we don't like that we have to change state law and they specifically cited uh, annotated 573.311 as their excuse now here's what that says It requires the applicant to authorize the department, that's state police, access to any medical, criminal, or other records concerning the applicant and permitting access to all of the applicant's criminal records. So, you know, in order, if we don't want them snooping in our medical records. That seems like it's pretty clear it's it's, about criminal records. Yes, but unfortunately, because it's a little vague, of course, uh, it opens the to, door. And yeah. that's what I had a discuss. I had a, actually had a, a very civilized discussion with Mary Claire, the the uh, attorney for state police. Wow. Yeah, I, she, I approached her because I've never been able to talk to her before. And, right. you know, we're always on opposite sides of this debate. But I approached her and I said, look, you know, uh, I'm not trying to, to bash state police here. OK, um, I'm trying to fix this so that if people want a license, to carry a gun in Arkansas, even though you don't need one, that they give their money to Arkansas State Police rather than another state. Because right now, many people are applying for a concealed <laughs> handgun license from Arizona, Florida, Utah, or Virginia as an Arkansas resident. Because, number one, it's cheaper. But, number two, because their application, instead of being five pages of invasion questions, their application is one page. Those states have one-page applications, and they don't ask you to give up your HIPAA rights. 
Yeah, and it, I, it doesn't mean that you have to give up the report your proctologist has about I, I was about to say, I, I don't understand what Dave's prostatitis would have to do with the <laughs> qualification to carry a concealed weapon. Absolutely. You know, but we saw, even on the federal level, people are human beings who work in these government agencies, and you can't tell me that that doesn't open the door for the possibility of mm. citizens that work in those agencies having access to very private information about individuals that before. could be, yeah, yes, hey, the FBI. It comes down to this. Come on. It comes down to this. If you tick us off, then we're going to have enough stuff on you, and -hmm. we're going to be able to research enough stuff. And we're going to be able to slip it under the table to someone without them saying where it came from. And and we're going to be able to come after you. So all it is is an avenue for them to find ammunition to use Mm -hmm. against people that don't play the game. Right. Well, can you That's imagine the way I see it if, if you're running for office? I mean, if you're running for like I just ran for office. Okay, so if someone wanted, they couldn't find anything on me. So let's say they said we need some junk on Jan Morgan. Find out about her. You know, when she went through her divorce, did she have to see a psychiatrist? Did she get on any antidepressants? Did she get? We'll we out. want detailed information, and and that could be access slipped under the table, even sure. though they're not supposed to. And as long as nobody tells where it came from, we'll see. I. I don't really go to doctors, so I, I didn't care. When I ran for office, I was like, whatever, just but, – but but your average citizen out there, you know, there are a lot of people that go to doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, or whatever, and that, that should be private information. But now, because this says detailed information, they could access as much or as little of that as they want, and I, I think that's just a huge – uh, uh, government overreach. Hey, in the state of Arkansas, if you look at the history of the bills that have been passed, them working against FOIA, growing government, more federal money, the Republicans in the establishment in the state of Arkansas right now feels like it's their job to keep us safe. Their job, it's their job to take sure, make sure everybody's got health insurance. It's their job to recycle the tires. It's their job to solve all the problems in the world, and it's easier to do it if they take our money, more money, and more freedom away from us. Then we can live in that kind of a society. Gee, that that <laughs> sounds kind of like socialism. Yeah, yeah, exactly hold this up right. so everybody can see it. You see that against socialism? Yeah, there you go. Hey, but I am encouraged. Let me tell you this. I well, did I'm come glad to today. Hear that. Tell me I am encouraged. Positive. Let me tell you something positive. Okay. So what I've been doing since my campaign was ended is get out here and work on getting people engaged with their government, trying to to get people to to plug in, okay, trying to grow the Republican Party around the state. And I'm still speaking at committee meetings, and I spoke to a group in Drew County, the Republican Committee in Drew, and they had just really, their group had dwindled down to much of, you know, there were just a few members. So I went in there, and all the Tea Party people who had left, and you know the Tea Party, those are the conservative, that's a conservative base of the Republican Party, right? That's the anti-socialist club. They had all left. But when I came to speak, they all came back in. And what I did is the same message I said to the Republicans in Craighead County. You know, all these people that had left, I brought them back in and said, look, if you don't like the direction things are going. Change it. Yeah, come to the table. It's not the time to bail. It's the time to roll up your sleeves, come to the table, and work on changing it from the inside out. County by county. Start at the the city and county government level and work toward electing people who adhere to that party platform. That's the objective. And I I am seeing more people plug back in. They're, 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 They're encouraged. There's a lot of work to do. Whenever you look at, read about all the senators that are getting money from the judges, judges sending them $20,000, judges are sending money to politicians. 
Just don't and, depress and, me too much because I was and, feeling and better then, today. I'm sorry. I came in and op- we came in on opposite ends of the spectrum today. Okay. And I'm, okay. I've been reading too much. I need to quit reading the paper. But quit We've taking these... those long plane flights. Uh, yeah. Oh, here's but another. Here's another positive are thing. The judges tied up in the middle of all of this. Here's another positive thing. Okay. okay. See, I'm going right, to balance the okay, negative. Okay. You tell us. You okay. tell us it when we come back. When we come back. Gotta, okay. We got a break got here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We were going to get here as we come back to this segment something positive something yeah, positive me and Jan are playing good cop yeah, bad cop yeah, today. she cut me off before I got my last yeah. bad copy and so you do playing. one more Where'd good one I'll do one more glasses. bad one okay Just found those them. are my sunglasses <laughs> okay. because they're blingy no I was telling you he's being the pessimist I'm the optimist today and so no I'm excited because I'm going to be working with Iverson Jackson uh, he's going to come on my uh, Facebook page in a couple of days and we're going to talk about the, the plan to do something about all the blue counties in the southern part of Arkansas uh, there's about to be a concerted effort to to work on those counties to turn them red, and I'm glad that we're really going to hit hard on that. And I think if anybody has what it takes to to make that happen, Iverson is he's awesome. He is amazing. Uh, he's yes. awesome. He's one of the best speakers. Yes, he he's is. He's down to earth. He knows his Bible. He knows his Constitution. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, yep. I, you let me know when he's speaking. I'd love to be there. Those are two okay, good things I will. Know. That's I will. A, that's exactly right. What I'm. I'll do my last pessimistic thing for the hour. For the hour. For the hour. What I was talking that I've been reading too much about the senators. Mm-hmm. So I was reading all this money that that uh, that, Jer- that Jeremy Hutchinson was getting uh, from all these different people. The nine hundred thousand dollars, basically, from the three Medicaid companies, and he's got mm-hmm. a he's got a uh, a judge. Whose husband sending him twenty thousand dollars a month? One report said is up to two hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Retainer, but but the, yeah, that was that was on the level. Yeah, that was on yeah. the level. Right. But but they passed this new bill last year. So so this one senator that we're talking about, he took a, a campaign money and put it over in some personal f- accounts and used some campaign money on some personal uses. So like what, getting an abortion for his girlfriend. Yeah, that yeah, that was on the allegations. That's one of the allegations. But that problem's been solved they no longer have to do anything like that so there was a a bill passed last year senate bill 258 and it says an act to increase the penalty for taking campaign funds as personal income that's the heading of the senate bill so you know written by the current republicans you know you're about to get beat when you read something like that Mm -hmm. so i go back on page two of this bill it says candidates or office holders may use campaign funds or carryover funds from past campaign campaign years to fulfill any commitment, obligation, or expense authorized by law or permitted by the ethics rule or opinion of the expenditures or reasonable legitimacy related to a, a campaign office You need to work holder. on your inflection when you read. That is so boring. I know it. I'm getting to the part I like. Thank I'm you. To the Thank part you. I like. Thank you. Or Everybody just turn their radio off. Or re- it says reasonably or legitimately related to a campaign or offer office holder activity. Can so I balance that got, out with something positive now? No, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Okay. So what they did, they passed this bill says they're doubling the penalty for taking campaign money and put it in a private account and said you can take campaign money and use it for anything that's related to a campaign or an office holder activity. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you get an apartment down here, that's an office holder activity. Mm-hmm. If your girlfriend cleans your apartment, 
That's, That's an, an office, office holder activity. activity. <laughs> if you need a new Mercedes Benz to drive back and forth to the Capitol. That's, That's an office a, holder's activity. That's an activity mm-hmm. there. So if they would have passed this bill before Jeremy, the senator in question, would have transferred that money, he wouldn't be in trouble right now because he could have just played along with this bill right here, paid his girlfriend to be his housekeeper, bought the car to run back and forth to the Capitol, and everything else. This is the most crooked bunch of politicians at the state Capitol right now, I think, in the history of politics. Oh, can I balance that out now? Because I'm telling you, I know know a bunch of really good guys up there, okay? So I don't want to lose Lump them all together, and, and, and the positive you. note is the positive okay. note is Jeremy Hutchinson is gone. Yeah, he's not there so, any longer. So not a moment too soon. Yeah, we got some good guys. We do don't don't lump them all in one group because we 10%. really do have some good. I give you ten percent. Ten percent. I would say thirty percent. Well, yeah, thirty right. or forty. 30 or 40. We got some. We got some good guys there. All right, got news coming up. Let's do the news, and, and we'll gals. come back. We're going to talk some more. All right, back with you. We've been talking about uh, Jan went to the rules committee today, and while she was there, she started asking some questions. Big surprise, uh, but <laughs> some of the answers she would get, she was getting, uh, you know, wasn't what she was looking for. Second big surprise, and uh, what can I tell you? She's she's calmed down, evidently. I bet you you were hot, I bet, before you got here today. Well, I was because I, I just, you know, it, it, people in Arkansas have been confused now about their carry rights for, what, six, five, six years. And, can you blame us? Well, I know, we and, but, but we've got stories. Republicans in control, and so we should, we knowing how that confusion is, is, is harmful to the people, uh, we need to clarify that, and that's, you know, I, I'm just I'm frustrated that we still are getting confusing and conflicting information from state government. And they're that's not, basically and agree with perpetuated that. They're today, not clarifying yeah. it because they don't want it clarified. They're mm-hmm. playing both sides of the fence. They're trying to keep the colleges happy. They're trying to keep the state police happy. And they're trying to keep the Republicans happy. So, you know, it's just like they say. You sh- we should be able to reduce the cost of government by 25% mm-hmm. and nobody lose anything. And still everybody gets all, everything that they ought to get. So, you know, that's all rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if you actually cut something, if you're going to have less corrupt politicians and less loss in government the only way to do it is take money out of government and all they're trying to do they're trying to do their usual thing and play both sides of the fence and keep everybody happy because but see state police were initially when i talked to the governor about the whole concealed handgun licensing program he said well state police depends on that money they were getting about 3.4 million a year i think off the backs of law-abiding citizens through that concealed handgun licensing program but since that time they have found an alternative source of revenue yes they have for their agencies, retire. I think that the, the, the CHCL licensing program was helping fund their retirement program. It was a retirement. So, program. so now they have an alternative source to, uh, of funding. So there's no reason to not go ahead and, and tell the people of the state the truth. And I don't really understand why state police continue to perpetuate the notion that is absolutely in conflict with our state constitution by telling people they have to have a license to carry if they're going to carry concealed. And if you carry concealed with Without a license, that, in their view, is unlawful intent. 
to utilize a weapon. That's so and unlawful. An t- it's assuming a lot. It's kind of like red flag law. They assume yeah. if you say you know, certain Tom, things, I surely gonna, wish you the I best want, of luck in the, dealing with these uh, Republican committees. And I hope you're <laughs> successful in drawing a lot of real conservatives back into the Republican Party at the <laughs> county level because I, that that wasn't my experience. I've told Dave this before when he and I were working acts the food tax in 2001 and 2002. My most unsuccessful strategy for promoting acts the food tax was to go to Republican county committees and ask them to join me in cutting taxes. And you'd have thought that I'd have gone to the Democrat committee because I'd go to these Republican committees in places like Blytheville and Jasper, and they'd say, well, how are you going to replace that money? How are we going to do without that money? Uh, They may have an R behind their name, but they still seem to be for big government. But how long ago was that? How long ago was that? It's about 18 years. Okay, well, see, there's a big difference now. This is different. We're in different times now. We've had the Tea Party since then. But you said the Tea Party's gone away, and now you're trying to bring them back. tax burden. Well, the Tea Party went away, sort of, in some counties more than others, but I'm bringing them, trying to bring them back into the party because I want them to to get back in there and let's let's work on getting back to the Republican Party platform. It would be nice if we had one conservative party in the state. There's one thing. We do. There are some committees that are very conservative, I'm just saying. Do they have Democrats ahead of them? Are they, oh, yeah, they don't do that anymore. No. Excuse me. That was the other Republicans. But, uh, Y'all stop I, slamming I, my Republican Party. Okay, now, I, look, I'm working hey, they in the did Republican that. Party. They I'm, did trying that. To help, I'm trying to help change them. I salute you for that. Right. That's good. But I got to clarify one thing you said. I know you're making fun said. of me. You think one I'm an idealist. Thing. There's you one thing impossible. you said, though, that you said that the state police had found another source to fund mm-hmm. the retirement program. Right. There is only one source to fund the state police Us. retirement for, program, Us. and that's the taxpayer. All they did was say, hey, we're going to take this right pocket and we're going to sew it up and we're going to get it out of the left pocket Mm -hmm. because there's only one one thing to do it. That's just like saying that the Republicans have been cutting taxes, but they're drawing – but, you know – we keep growing the budget every year, but we're cutting taxes. All they're doing, if they cut a tax, they had to figure something somewhere else. Yeah. So, uh, but so things anyway, are there's only one source. Now, when's the last time that you saw the citizens of the state within a 24-hour period, because of their engagement with the government, completely turn around and vote on a bill in this state? Oh, I've seen it happen. Okay, well, it happened this last session, mm-hmm. and that gives me hope. And so I'm, what I'm saying is people are beginning to see, hey, wait a minute, we we can have an impact. We just have to... Get involved. So stop running them off. Well, I'm <laughs> yeah, not the last, the last time, I, the last time I watched it happen was with Gary Stubblefield, and and of course uh, the whole thing about you know letting illegals be in your cities without any problem. You know the president is is working on that too. They're very they're they're adamantly opposed to any sanctuary city programs. Yeah. And so we're getting we're getting the support from the national level too to eliminate that. Now, Little Rock was still last time I checked, they still have that program in in, in it's active where they're giving uh valid photo IDs to illegals knowingly. Uh, but I understand that law is supposed to go into effect the one we got past this last session, banning sanctuary city programs. I'm hoping that we're going to follow very that beginning. up. It uh, should be the 1st of July. Yeah, I heard one time Thank there wasn't any need for any of that. Somebody told said one time there wasn't any need about any bills for sanctuary cities. Yeah, because, yeah, we were trying to create a, 
a, a solution for something that well, wasn't now a it's problem. There. It's now a problem. Okay, so uh, so that person, they just don't call it a sanctuary city. Oh, well, they yeah, call it a sanctuary city program. That's like yeah. Obamacare. Yeah. Let's call it. Let's call it something else. Yeah, Stodal yeah. never used the affordable health care. Right. Right. Affordable health care. Be just for all practical well, let's call purposes. Let's Arkansas. 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 Yes. Why work? We're going to buy your insurance anyway. I mean, we've been talking about it for a long time here on the show about Sanctuary City program that's been going on. Stodola got it underway. It wasn't Jell-O Jim. It was Stodola. So, uh, you know, now Stodola's gone, and it seems like Scott wants to hold on to it. At least it seems like to me. Does it seem that way to you, Carl? I hadn't heard him talk about it. Well, here's something I want to talk about, too, before we get off of big government Mm. stuff. That's the key. Can I throw this in? We need need the legislators at the state capitol to have a specific parking lot away from the capitol where they can be shuttled in. And we need the people to be able to have the parking places around the capitol that surround it. Boy, thank you. You can't park within a mile of that place. I know. And and you see the heels I'm wearing. This is how you you have to dress in a suit and heels when you go to the capitol, and you have to walk a mile like this. So so my point is, the, the capitol is the citizens house okay it's not the legislators house and they work for us so we're we're supposed to have the priority parking places and they should be parking somewhere else i'll buy that for a dollar Hey, I'm calling on a good legislator to, to to look at the the smaller government picture there and say you know what we're public servants of the people so we're gonna we're gonna all these parking places designated around the capitol for legislators we're gonna give those to the people and we're gonna park further out because it could be the reason that people stop coming to the capitol is because they don't want to park a mile away and have to, especially people who are retired who actually have time to come to the Capitol and get involved in politics. And who have bad feet. They have bad feet. Now I have bad feet after walking up there all the time. Well, I can imagine. Well, that sounds a whole yeah. lot like. Are, are you, did you say that they have a rule that everybody's supposed to dress up when they go there to the Capitol? Well, I dress up when I go. Okay. I know a guy who doesn't dress up when he you goes there. You know, you wear your jeans at that time. <laughs> I just dress my, like myself. That's what I do. Well, this is how I dress. I dress like I know. this. Right? Yeah. All the time. No, you don't Not dress all, all the time. You dress in jeans I, a lot. I'm either like this or I'm in motorcycle attire. I was, jeans, I was in Carhartt coveralls one time. I was I was at work and the snow and ice was on the ground and they called me and said, Hey, R.D., they're going to try to pass that bill on a day when the ice was on the roads and nobody can get up there. <laughs> Can you get to the Capitol? So uh, I jumped in a four-wheel drive and went to the Capitol with car parts on. <laughs> I can see that. I wish I had a picture of that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> hey, let me tell everybody about my friends over at Applied Research Center of Arkansas. They helped make this show possible, and we're very thankful of that. They've got clinical trials going on right now, and they need you to take part in them. They've got one on diabetes, type 2 diabetes, if you're taking metformin only, and you're between 18 and and, uh, you know, whenever you die, you can get involved in this uh, clinical trial. They've got one on neck and back pain, ages 18 to 65. You have to have a sudden onset of back pain due to muscle spasms. And then uh, how about one on low testosterone? It's for males ages 45 to 80, and they're looking for you. Now, you get paid for being part of these trials. You get the medicine absolutely free. And uh, this is uh, the last test for these particular medicines to make sure that they work exactly the way they say they work. All you have to do to become part of one of these uh, trials is to pass the uh, the test of meeting the requirements to get into this trial. 
at 501-954-7822. That's 501-954-7822. And, you know, you get the medicines absolutely free. It's a great deal. That's Applied Research Center of Arkansas. All right, back with you. Uh, You know, have you ever wondered why some people seem to be able to pay fewer taxes than everyone else? Well, you can learn those little-known strategies that can help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis from David Lucas. He's the host, of course, of the David Lucas Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. And uh, this free analysis reveals the little-known strategies and loopholes that could uh, help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, 401K, Social Security benefits, and more. Get that free analysis by being one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. It's your opportunity to save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes in retirement 501-653-6690, 501-653-6690. In the studio with me, the power panel today, RD is back. The world traveler has come back into the studio. Also with us today, Carl Kimball. Uh, Paul Calvert is out today and back and hasn't been here in a couple of weeks, is back with us today and she wasn't here last week because they were celebrating their, how many years? Anniversary. How many years? Wedding anniversary. How Six. Many? Six years. Six. All right. Yes. For her wedding anniversary, and that's mm-hmm. Jan Morgan, and we're glad to have her back as well. She always shows up after she's given them hell over at the Capitol. You know, now so see, I don't always go over to raise hell at the Capitol. Sometimes I just go over there to, you know, encourage, to strongly encourage uh, Republicans to to vote the right way. You don't start really, out it just I, ends up that way. The thing is, <laughs> the, Second look, Amendment. the thing is, no, and it's not just on Second Amendment. I go mm. to fuss about increasing taxes, growing government, increasing spending. Those are all things that are not consistent with the Republican Party platform. So, look, I try to stay away from the state capitol because I've got a lot of irons in the fire. But when I do go, it's because my representatives or our Republicans are not doing what we're paying them to do. And I feel like I have to go up there and try to, you know. Well, as as, as all Senator the time. Trent Garner said the other night, he when said, do you, sleep? you got to listen to this. I thought this was so funny. Uh, Dorothy Crockett was uh, telling him, I was sitting there with Dorothy at the Trey Gowdy event, and he walked over to say hello to her. And she, some for some reason, she said, I don't know what Jan Morgan's going to do in the future politically, but, you know, I just, I, I really like what she's doing. And Trent said, well, all I know is when she comes to the Capitol and gets involved in something, it's like throwing dynamite on it. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know if that's – is that positive or negative? I think it's, well, it's positive. It's they positive. some dynamite up there. But, you know, I haven't seen them not get so far – Hopefully we'll win a few battles and uh, maybe we, we have, have won, won a, a few, few battles. Quit yeah, being have. so negative. Yeah, we have Just won. stop it, RD. He needs. He didn't take his meds today. And if it <laughs> had, if it had not been for John Cooper, we would have won. You know, uh, we would other have won. Big stand your ground yeah. and some other big ones. Yeah, John Cooper let us down. You need to take your happy pills and, before and, you come and on and the also, show. That's, hey, and also, you know the. Uh, that was a. I thought that was a big loss about the special election. See the trend there. The He's talking about the elections. losses and the that was that was double drums. Yeah, that was Sturge. I know. Yeah. I want to talk elections. about the wins we now had. Now he's a senator. Yeah. So, so now we got. So yeah. Boy. All right. I'll be quiet. Come on, RD. Buck up, RD. All right. I'll you be want quiet. to talk about all the bad stuff that happened? I want to talk about the good stuff that happened. I want all people right. to get excited about. Hey, Let's get excited about some good Jan, stuff. I, I You're going to run out before you would I agree do. with me. 
The thing that irritates me the most is when people say the Republican Party. It is not the Republican Party. It's some folks in the Republican right. Party. There are good right. Republicans there out are. there. There are. You yeah. know, Kim Hammer and a lot of those guys are, John are, are good fighters for Josh Miller. There yeah, are. there's some great. We have some great and, and, Republicans. And this is this is the Republican Party right here. Yeah, this, the platform. This, this is the Republican Party. Okay, and there's and there's nothing but good about this. There's when you look at our platform and what we stand for. This is what the Republican Party of Arkansas put out. This is our principles, and there's nothing but greatness about this. This is who we are: the power of faith in God. We believe in the sanctity of life. We believe in individual responsibility and initiative. We believe in individual freedom and liberty secured by a limited government. We believe in private property rights, lower taxes to produce economic growth, strong national defense, the personal right to own and bear arms, the equal and just enforcement of the law, and separate and equal branches of government. Now, there's there's nothing but great behind the platform. After you read that, I'll stick to my 10%. There you go. Well, okay. For those of you who don't know what he's talking about, he thinks there's only 10% of the Republicans in the Republican Party in our state legislature who are who actually adhere to this. And I, I think there's the there ones may that be, do have got some internal opposition, I think. Well, they well, yes, yes. I'll tell you what. John Cooper has some opposition. Yes. Yeah, Dan Sullivan go. is Come bringing on, it to Sullivan. the table. He go, is bringing yeah. support yeah. for us, brother. We'll be getting behind Dan Sullivan. Yeah, I'll we'll be, be up doing there. Some positive work I'm, I'm going to go burn I'm that shoe leather for him. But here's the hard part. Dan is in the, the very awkward position that I was in. When you're running against a, another Republican, okay, you, you have to, in but order it, but to is make Cooper people. Cooper another Republican? Well, in, he in, had in his eyes, he is. Against guns. Yes, he was with the moms demand action people but and so was our wearing, governor our where, governors did yeah, but he didn't, pictures he didn't with put, he, didn't he didn't go to their a, rally yeah. you're right you're you're exactly right so but, so but here's the thing let's watch the campaign donations between the two here's the thing Here, here's the tricky part for dan and i'm watching him because i'm trying to learn from him about how you run a campaign against a fellow republican without well, making well, everybody mad because in order for you to explain to people why you need to be you in that position the other person you have out. to you have to explain to the other people why they have to fire well, the person well, who's well, in. you're ran, asking people to fire john cooper yeah. well i ran against a republican that was a three-time mayor in the biggest town in the district mm-hmm. and a two-term senator that had the backing of the governor, the lieutenant governor, and all the elected officers at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And as a four-county race, I never run for a state race in my life. Mm-hmm. I lost by a thousand votes. So, but so we did a pretty good. We did a pretty so good job. So that is an encouraging. That's an that's encouragement, encouraging. and that's the first time yeah. I ever run for anything. If only you had a thousand friends and relatives. Uh, that was, that's exactly right. But and what hey, was the voter turnout good. though? Because because in the primary, well, the last primary, only eighteen percent of registered voters. Well, it was a record turnout. Turnout, and actually, of the people that I sent information to, we got sixty six percent. How many of the times votes. did you vote for yourself? But only one time. That's where I went wrong. Only that's once? where I went wrong. <laughs> Yeah. I kept trying to teach him. I did vote for my dog and my cat. I tried to teach him how to do this, and he would not listen. But but anyway, what you do is you put on the left what you stand for, on the right what you're against. Mm-hmm. You hand it to him, say, this is what I'm for, this is what I'm directly against, and I'll answer mm-hmm. any question you've got. And whenever the next person comes and hands their information and you read what they read, you can't tell where they stand. 
because they can't stand on their record and they can't stand on their history. John <laughs> Cooper cannot stand on a conservative history of vote, voting because John Cooper has not voted like a conservative Republican. He's voted for bigger government and for Obamacare. And that's not just your and, opinion. And more for fees. That's no. not just his opinion. The, the so, latest rankings came so, out and Cooper was like number what? Way down with – there were Democrats in front of him right exactly. on his voting record. So, and that's what you really have and to rely on. And the one thing that me and you had against us, we didn't have any record to go on, basically. We didn't have much of a record mm-hmm. except what we were for or against. But one thing Dan Sutherland's He's got a record. Dan has a he record does. of conservative votes yes. and being elected and doing what he told the voters that he would do. Yeah, that's his campaign promise, Out of keeping 35 promises. 35 senators, mm-hmm. conduit ranked Cooper 28. And that's based on his voting record, not yeah. just how they feel about him. percent Boy, he's yeah. way out of my now, behind some Democrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as far as uh, Sullivan as a... Uh, Dan Sullivan was number one. He was the number one most, wow. conservative, most conservative state representative House yeah. member. Based on his voting record. 93.4%. I'm trying to get him to run for governor. For I that. begged the man to run for governor. It's like, well, you so would be an awesome guy. That's a $2 million conservative race. conservative House member is only 93% conservative. Yeah. A governor is a $2 million Not 100%. Race. But you know what people need to understand is that race, that Senate district race, is even regardless of what part of the state you live in, you should be concerned about that race because it affects, every, it affects the, the vote. It affects the entire state. So even though I'm not in, in uh, Dan Sullivan's district, I still am financially supporting his campaign because – I believe in his record, and I want more Republicans voting the way he does. Yep. Hey, that's the reason we all helped Linda. You know, mm-hmm. I've that's right. financially contributed that's to Linda. That's why we all helped And, and I, was, I was holding signs for in the rain and, and in there mm-hmm. uh, through the good, bad, well, I and I wondered how you lost a couple inches. You yeah. were out in the rain. He shrunk. Yeah, shrunk he shrunk. You got that right. <laughs> He's still a little maybe it was, maybe it was hanging around with Those are age wrinkles. Maybe it was hanging around with I got good news for you. Right after the news, Bob Ballinger will join us. Oh, good. Senator Bob Bob Ballinger, and we'll talk about ASP when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Well, it's like they say, Carl, you're not paranoid paranoid if they're really out to get you. No, the the proper way of putting it is just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. No, okay, well, and it's the truth. You you just never, ever know. I found that out. When uh, a certain governor in this state t- turned loose his AG on me. Who was yes. that? When did that happen? Gee, I remember that. Yeah. That must have been before my time. Yeah. No, not when? much. Not by, not by much. Yeah, well, Dave's true. been around so long, it could have been back yeah. in the dinosaur age yeah, that this true. happened. I, yeah, that's true. Back when the Arkansas Constitution was written. I mean, the Cretaceous period. Yeah. So, so you, do, you say things like that, Dave, and then you just leave people hanging. What's the story? When did the AG come after you and why? Who was it? Uh, is it Danielson? Is that, was that uh, Daniel, the Democrat uh, AG uh, under BB. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the very ambitious young man who thought he was going to be the next governor. See, AG, typically, if it's AG runs, it means almost governor, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yes. And I, I, I just said, never be governor. He'll never be governor. So you call him the NG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank goodness he NG. never will be. I wouldn't trust that guy as far as I could throw yeah. him. Well, he, did, he destroyed himself. I had nothing to do with it. I mean, with the lady That's down in Hot Springs and all of that. That's what you always say about everything. 
You know, I really had not that much to do with it, except that what he did he played, accuse you of? He, well, they I had a I had a, a nonprofit group called Arkansans Care. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl was on my board of this, and uh, we had been going at it for about four years, five, almost five years, I believe. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, yeah, that would about been about two thousand nine, I think. And remember, BB had been the AG that I had to put mm -hmm. my paperwork through, right? And they found nothing wrong, and they 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 gave me so suddenly a piece of paper suddenly disappeared. You must have said the wrong uh, I, thing at the wrong time oh, about the I, I wrong person. Getting, I did. I started I, getting emails at home from the attorney general's office uh, ordering me to cease and desist and telling me that I was in serious trouble. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting here in the midst of some real criminals. Possibly. I, I, but it has nothing to do, think, but it has you know nothing what, to do you know, with what you know we were what just was, talking about. I'm going to tell you what I was a criminal of. I was a criminal of helping uh People that were elderly folks mm-hmm. that that could not that had to choose between fixing their homes and buying medicine or buying mm-hmm. food. Okay. And so I worked with uh, what was it? Who was the pastor down down uh, town town? Um, um, watershed project. The watershed folks. Um, I worked with them, and and we fixed people's houses. And people like uh, PI Roofing mm-hmm. uh, would do the work for free because we were a nonprofit or, organization, mm-hmm. or so we were told. And then all of a sudden, we were told we weren't, and. That Uh-oh. we were taking money from people and it wasn't, uh, you know, it was not tax deductible yeah. and whatnot. Well, like my we friend JR says, no good deed goes unpunished. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. But we pushed back. Um, I got a lawyer and they pushed back and it went away. That's when those pesky Democrats were in control, though. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it was a So Senator Ballinger is on the phone. He right. is. Let's bring up. Let's get Bob up here, Senator Ballinger. How are you today? Good to have you with us. Did you know that that story? No, I didn't. No, that's a. That, uh, it sounds like it all worked out okay, but it, it yeah. shows you a lot of times how how silly sometimes uh, government and bureaucracy can be when they when they intervene in things that I mean, and I've seen that a couple times just since I've been in the legislature. Sometimes people start applying rules in stupid ways well the the ag at that time who was the ag for bb's last term said you Uh, need to have this piece of paper and i said well we looked for it and we can't find it so why don't you just ask the governor because he was the ag that okayed my nonprofit. (laughs) yeah (laughs) so anyway it was really it was an interesting time, to say the least, and and I've 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 run into problems in Kentucky before because, you know me, Bob. I'm known to speak my mind sometime. Yeah, you're not a you're not a wallflower. <laughs> hey, by the way, I want to jump in here. Senator Ballinger just wanted to congratulate you on your ranking on your voting record for conservative voting. I just I saw that you ranked number two in the state, yeah. and that's very impressive. Good job, Bob. Yeah, good job. All right, yeah. with that. Well, that's a, yeah, but I, I, I appreciate that, and, you know, I'm, uh, obviously I don't do it for a scorecard, and definitely not that scorecard, but I, I appreciate the the, uh, the recognition. Okay. All right, with that said, today, uh, ooh, I'm going to go through puberty again. Today, Jan was over at the Rules Committee, and 
the director of the ASP was there, and I'm going to let her talk about it because we played the piece back where he's talking about concealed carry. And from what I understood, you got a little bit you know, irritated, as did Senator Womack and some, some other people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, yeah, So, uh, Senator Ballinger, what, what was your take from the whole conversation with state police regarding their position on the CHCL? I went on another issue, and I was just floored when I actually saw the part of the hearing I had originally missed, which was the nailing them down on whether or not in their view, you have to have a license to carry concealed. They pretty much doubled down on their position. Uh, Colonel Bryant did that, according I, to the law. Well, their 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 position of not having any kind of legitimate position. I mean, it, it, it their their position is to continue to push out confusion. And I look what Representative Miller said about the state police, especially the officers. They are out there doing a yeoman's work. They're such a, a, an asset to the state, and I appreciate them and, and get along great. I'm willing to work real hard for the state police. But one thing that has frustrated me, well, since 2013, is just an unwillingness to look at the law and just tell people, like, okay, yes, in Arkansas we have constitutional carry. And it's, and it's, it's fear, and fear never goes, goes well, but it's fear of losing revenue it's fear of people not wanting to go out and get their concealed carry permits it's fear of what would happen if citizens just went out running around carrying guns without being you know recognized by the state i mean it's just it it really is it's irrational fear but that's to me it's just frustrating not for them not to come out i mean obviously they're telling their officers not to make arrests for carrying firearms Right. So go ahead and let all the rest of the state know that they shouldn't be making arrests for carrying firearms because there's no statute that prohibits this in the state. Absolutely. Well, Senator, I wanted to ask you, too, about uh, one of the, the first issues that, that they were there to talk about was the, the aspect of the concealed handgun application that really goes way beyond your average question that's on your average concealed handgun license application in other states. And I, I, I missed the first part of that meeting, but I did catch up on it later. And basically, they're, they're citing state law as an excuse to basically have citizens sign over all their privacy rights. And today, I didn't get to talk to you before the meeting, but I bought a copy of a concealed handgun application from Virginia, one from Arizona, one from Utah, and one from Florida. And their 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 application is all of one page long, each of those states. Right. And they don't they don't make people give up their their privacy rights, their HIPAA records yeah. rights. And I'm wondering yeah. if you guys are going to tackle that this next session because Mary Claire, the attorney for state police, said the only way this is going to get fixed is if we change the law because she is citing Arkansas law as an excuse for doing that. Well, and let me say this, that, you know, sometimes the state police is, are, are they're dead wrong and they need to own their responsibility. Sometimes the legislature is wrong and they need to own its responsibility. Um, I, I think the state police have done a done a good job in the in the past of being lax on this particular issue, because, frankly, as we wrote the code, I think it's unconstitutional. I think it's a usurpation of, of people's privacy rights and Second Amendment rights to, to put up such a barrier to, you know, surrendering their privacy in order to get the permit. But that's almost, I mean, I, you know, clearly state police have, have changed how they're interpreting our, our code section. But once again, the most clear interpretation of our code section is this is any records. So, you know, I, I think the problem is really more on us than it is on the state police. So can and, we and count on you? Can we count on you or, or some other strong Republican legislators to take this up in the next se- session uh, and deal with this? 
Yeah, I think I think absolutely. I think that it, you don't even have to be strong on guns. Mm-hmm. You just have to have a recognition of people's right to privacy uh, from their, you know, state government to to be supportive of this. And honestly, I feel like we're probably in a place that uh, that we need to go ahead and buckle down, try to get all the sides together, and do some major reforms to our our uh, gun laws in the state. Anyway, yeah. we, we use the word firearms in some places. We use the word handguns in some places. We use. I mean, we we just basically have a a patchwork hodgepodge of gun regulations that leaves things ambiguous and and that's never good when we're talking about firearms or criminal law i mean it sounds like to me and because there's another piece of legislation that they that the asp read from saying that they were they had all the rights in the world to go after all this material and for the life of me i can't hardly see the difference between what they're trying to do and red flag laws well, so the difference is this: in a red flag law, is that it's it's creating a mechanism to go out and take the firearm, right? There's a, it's, it creates a mechanism for confiscation. In this case, what it does is it creates a mechanism where you could go out and dig into people's um, private lives, mm-hmm. maybe find a reason to prohibit them from getting a, a, a permit, but it doesn't actually provide the mechanism for basically confiscation of a of a property. I mean, what I think a lot of the same concerns are warranted in this situation as in the other. But the truth is, it really is a legislative problem and not a not a problem of state police, because in our code that, that you know, obviously it was put in place before any of us got there. But in our code, it says, you know, any records. And that's uh, that's pretty broad. It's actually broader than what state police is actually carrying out and doing. Um, it, I mean, you could go into corporate records. You could go into anything that's... You uh, go into person's tax records. Record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and so, you know, obviously we don't want them doing it. And as soon as state police is, you know, are are going down that path, then I would say it's, it's we'll need to step in and, and police that. And they made it really clear that they're not really not really engaging in that uh in that activity. Yeah, the FBI um, said the same right. thing about Trump and their Russian yeah, collusion. Yeah. Well, not yeah. until I mean, they the, need the, to. The, yeah. the sin is not necessarily in the in the act of the state. It's empowering the state to act, right? So that's mm-hmm. the problem is the power that the state has to decide whether or not to to, to go and start investigating. And and you don't want you, I mean, the, the idea is that government would be fearful of the people and then not the people fearful of the government. And so this type of privacy yielding it over gives too much control to, to any government. And state police great people, but the truth is that it shouldn't be something that's a tool that's handed to the, to the state in any form. All right. La- last couple of questions. One, uh, did the lady from uh, the uh, crime lab, she was up for, I think, a 10% raise, and yet she's been kind of having a, you know, problem in... Aren't they in, way, in, way behind? In selling, well, in, sell, well, in selling her product to the state she owned that she owns 12% interest in and her husband owns 12% interest in uh, were you guys looking at that as far as you know making a decision on her raise uh, no i i wasn't i mean I, you know that's uh maybe it's a it's a problem that i was ignorant of that so i I've, I've been focused on other things so that sounds like that would be is an issue that ought to be looked into but I definitely don't know enough about the issue to be able to talk about it. Okay. All right. And then lastly, and and probably this is the most, not controversial, but, you know, it, it, it could get, you know, political. 
Can't the, the governor just get a hold of the ASP director and say, hey, let's, uh, yeah, it's constitutional carry here in the state of Arkansas. Lay off the people of Arkansas. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that I think he could, and I think he has provided some direction on it. The problem is that is that the you know the the last part of his statement is the same problem as the last part of the state police statement, where but you need to check with your local law enforcement, mm-hmm. and that is I mean it runs so contrary to the law, right? The law is what the law is. It's not up to the law enforcement to decide how to enforce the law. It's it is you know up to them to follow it. And so if you have language that's ambiguous, it is interpreted in favor of the defendant. You don't make arrests. If you don't have a code section that specifically says what the crime is that is being violated, and so I wish that everybody would just jump on board with it and say, "Look, we don't have. There's no law in Arkansas against carrying a firearm unless you're doing so with the intent to commit a crime." So, you know, there it is. And you have to prove intent. You have to prove it. That's right. I mean, the burden is upon the state mm-hmm. to, to demonstrate that, and you can't prove it if you're giving the benefit of the doubt to the defendant. And there is no code section that says it's a crime. Now, let me say this. I, I, I feel for the state police because there is that, you know, if, if, if that's true, then why do we create an exception down to, the, to that law if you have a concealed carry permit? Mm-hmm. But what I'd say is a strict inter- interpretation of that is you're, you can't be held uh, as guilty of committing the crime of carrying a firearm with a weapon with the intent to commit a crime if you have a concealed carry permit. I know that seems kind of stupid, but that would be the appropriate interpretation of that code section if if you're talking about a, a criminal defendant. And so so it, it is, I mean, at this point, I, I think, you know, the, the only uh, appellate court decision that we have makes it real clear that there is no code section that prohibits the carrying of a firearm. Um, you know, that I think that, you know, any attorney who's looking at it and is not motivated by by fear is going to come to that same conclusion when it comes to a criminal offense and i just i wish i wish that we would just go ahead and embrace that and make life a little easier for everybody all right senator thanks for the time you came on and uh you know just asked you a few moments before three o'clock thanks for giving us the uh, time on the air yeah no problem we'll talk to you later Dave. all right bye-bye now so so basically to sum all this up I want to make sure that the people of the state aren't confused. The bottom line is, doesn't matter what state police say, doesn't matter what the governor says, what matters is what the law is, okay? You can be challenged at any time for any reason. So if you live your life in fear of what is an officer going to do uh, and you don't know the law, then maybe you should get a license, okay? But but those of us who know what the Arkansas State Constitution says and know what our state legislature did this last session, which they clarified that we are a constitutional carry state, and they even clarified what that means, and it means that you can carry a gun open or concealed without a license from any entity. That was That resolution was approved by our House, by our Senate, so we have legislative validation that we're constitutional carry. We now have, from the judicial branch of government, validation from the Taft case that we are a constitutional carry state. So all we're missing is the executive branch. 
And oh, yeah. he said we are a constitutional carry state. It's just that his definition's a little speaking different. Speaking of the executive but. branch, Jan, I, I thought one of the most troubling things in that little bit you played earlier was when he said, well, check with your local DA. Because, one, that seems to indicate that the law is not the same from one jurisdiction to the other within the state, which is absurd. And this is and, the and biggest B, problem. Most of us are at. not going to have any contact with our local DA unless we get accused of a crime. And I think well, and the, sen- it- the senator understands this. They're going to have to go in, pass a law. There's no question about what it says. An and unambiguous the yes, law. But we already have that. That's it. We don't need a law. To, I mean, we have the Arkansas State Constitution, Article 2, Section 5. It says the people of Arkansas have a right to keep and bear arms for their common self-defense. And Section 29 says any effort to regulate or restrict is inviolate. All right. We'll talk That's further. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Don't forget about Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. Uh, Dwayne will do his best to get you uh, a lower price on your uh, insurance or more coverage on your insurance or get both. It's always great to get more coverage and less money. Uh, He's an Allstate agent. If you'll call him at 501-819-0373. You give Dwayne a call or one of his professionals, and what they'll do is they'll set a time that you can sit down with them at their uh, location at 3920 East Keel Avenue. Bring your insurance with you, all of your insurance, home insurance, car insurance, motorcycle, boat, whatever it is you got. You know, bring your life insurance and let them take a look at it and see what they can do for you. Again, it's 501-819-0373. The Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency, and uh, they're located over in Sherwood. Okay, so I hope that having uh, the state senator on to talk about this hasn't confused people even more. It's not our. Well, it's, real. it's not my my you know thing to try to confuse people. I mean, I just want to know why you know the governor doesn't call the head of the state police and just say leave the people of Arkansas alone. Here we that's why I ran. That was the beginning of why I ran. But anyway, you know, look, uh, that's not going to change. We, we, that's his position is uh, he's not that that his his position is that carrying, keeping, and bearing arms is a government issued privilege instead of a constitutional right. And there's a big difference between rights and privileges. All right, we got to get the news. Amen. We'll come back. The conversation continues. Well, we might as well deal with this. We we're just talking about it during the break. Because uh, I brought this up when I had what was Randy's last name from the uh, Southern Baptist that was here the other day, uh, Russ Garrett, I think. Yeah, Garrett. Because uh, I brought it up to him because it really irritated me. And you all know that when I went to college, I went as a journalism major, radio and television major, and and then minor. I don't know they had radio and TV back no, when you yeah, were in college. Oh yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, and I used right after the round wheels. I was doing. He, I was doing he learned the edge stone tablets. I was doing. Stuff. I was doing smoke signals. But the bottom line was, <laughs> is that uh, I get irritated when they try to slide things in the stories. And mm-hmm. they were talking uh, to Randy uh, over at Southern Baptist Group that was helping all these people that have been flooded out and stuff. They go in and they tear all that drywall out and all that other stuff so they can go in and fix their homes. And the first thing the woman wrote about was the sexual abuse that had come out about Southern Baptist Church, and they were getting ready to have the big meeting, and Southern Baptists now are helping the people on there. 
had no reason to be in the story whatsoever, had mm-hmm. nothing to do with the story about what they were doing to help people. And I brought it up to him. He says, it was the first, Randy said, it was one of the first things that the lady had mentioned to him. <clears throat> she tried to draw him in to say something about that. And he says, I don't know nothing about that. I want to talk about what we're trying to do here in the state. That's one example of it. Second example is in the paper today. About, Page four in, of our yeah, Democrat Arkansas Gazette. Democrat Gazette. Talking about the, uh, uh, you know, the lady who's been charged now uh, with Collins' murder. Senator Collins' murder. Yes. And uh, the uh, they mentioned that she was the girlfriend mm-hmm. of uh, Loggins, who's been on my show countless times, <clears throat> who is a, a firm believer in the Second Amendment. But let me let me read how they reference him. I got it right here, Dave. Okay, well, let's just read preface yeah, this it. with this statement: the, Tim, the Democrat Gazette has been very anti-gun. It's a very left-leaning statewide newspaper. So, with that being said, and knowing that they want to disarm the citizens of the state, now go ahead with the yeah. story. Tim Loggins, who is identified in O'Donnell's social media accounts as her boyfriend, sat in the front row of the courtroom Monday. Loggins, the leader of a group that advocates for the permitless carry of handguns, had appeared several times with Collins at the state capitol this spring to argue for legislation on gun rights. What's that have to do with killing the senator? Tim Loggins hasn't been implicated in any way in this case. He's Uh not been arrested. He's not been charged. He he was interrogated just like anybody who was close to the senator was interrogated, who was around her within the past month. Uh, But he's not been charged with anything. He's, he's a free citizen, and it was like, you know. Yeah, he's not behind bars. No. And, no. and as far as anyone knows, has nothing to do with this no. crime. I wouldn't he say He knows someone who may have had something to do with the crime. That's not true and unbiased reporting. No, it's not. That, no, that is very is. biased. That's, why I'm no, that's biased reporting. No, you're right. That was a completely gratuitous uh, throw in there about the concealed or uh, permitless concealed handgun advocacy is completely gratuitous. But let's just be honest. I mean, what what media out there anymore even tries to hide the fact that they're biased? It's they're it, so used to getting away with it. Exactly. Back in the good old days when Dave and I were in the media, journalists were journalists. Objective. That's journalists. right. And you were you told the who, what, when, where, and why. Mm-hmm. And you're not even allowed to have an inflection in your voice when delivering the news so that anyone might perceive that you feel one way or another about whatever you're reporting on. It's just the news, just the facts. Everything yeah, is so biased these the days. Now. I mm-hmm. mean, that's just, just like I was talking about before when, whenever I was – I've lightened up now. I was a little frustrated. When you mean I this is the lighter show. version of yeah, you? This, I'm, I'm going to lighten up. <laughs> I can't no, believe it. There, there wasn't an, an Amendment 3 that passed. It was truth and transparency uh-huh. on, on elections and, and public officials. That was the mm-hmm. name of the Amendment 3. And it established a committee – of elected officials to review their own raises. And there were other things of it. Mm-hmm. But the truth and transparency was going to ha- have the mice to get together and decide how much cheese or how much how much of a raise they were they were going to get. So that's one of the reasons. But you know, the name of what it was setting out to do, there wasn't any more truth and transparency in the name of that act th- three. There wasn't any more then 
there was in the newspaper you're talking about. And then whenever I read this bill that from uh, Senate Bill 258 that I referred to earlier that gives elected officials the ability to use uh, campaign funds that are left over in their account in any act that is in the alignment with their office that they have in a personal way, uh, says an act to increase the penalty for taking campaign funds as personal income, but it actually sets out to give them a way to do it legally. That's what it does. It's a joke. It was not really ethics legislation. That's exactly right. So I'm saying there's, I don't believe anything I read anymore. I don't believe anything. What does it say? What does it say about our government today when we have to come up with legislation to tell them how to be ethical? I mean, how did we get to this point? I I just – it's beyond me. But, hey – if Paul was Senator here, Linda say Collins we abandoned Smith. the Bible, we abandoned <laughs> yeah. our morality, we abandoned our religion. Senator Linda Collins Smith and Senator Brian King, two of the most conservative Republican state senators in Arkansas two years ago, they tried to pass true ethics legislation, <clears throat> and it was Republicans, some Republicans who oh, stood yeah. in the way. Some of the very Republicans that were indicted, Jeremy Hutchinson. And, and yes. one of the things that they had, you know, we've got... $2 billion a year coming in every year for the Medicaid expansion, which was authorized under the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. See, I'm being politically correct. Mm-hmm. Brings in $2 billion a year. A lot of the legislators at the state capitol have companies in transportation and companies in all kinds that of things. That are benefiting financially from benefit Arkansas. Financially. you got to get me some of that Obama money. Yeah, yeah from this uh, Medicaid expansion mm-hmm. that we'll call it, and so a part of the ethics bill was is those people were going to have to recognize that I have a financial interest in this bill, and they have to be transparent. And, and they and and uh, I believe the original bill said that they wouldn't be able to vote on it because they could initially be voting themselves a raise. And they had to reveal any kind of financial connection right. that they had personally with any companies exactly. where they would benefit from. So they had from, to reveal yes. they had to reveal it. So right. so you would think that would be very controversial in the current state of of the party right now. Would you disagree? No, I no. So we just when keep it, bringing it up. Somebody's got to act on it. Yeah. So I'm just saying, whenever you read stuff, I will the say Democrat, this: Mark Johnson has acted on it. Yeah. And they they slow walked it on him so that he couldn't get it passed. Had to take it to yeah. They told him study. to pull it. They, you yeah. see, this is why I've tried to. This I is why I. That, this is why I, as a I citizen, forgot. fought for transparency in our committee meetings because many good bills, good pieces of legislation, live and die in the committees. That's and there's a lot of games and good exactly old boy right. cronyism stuff that happens. Just like, for example, on the gas tax hike, this 418 million dollar gas tax hike that we're going to have to vote on in a few months, it passed in our legislature because, it, even though, in spite of the fact that we had three different bills that three different Republicans had come up with that would have funded our highways and roads in the state of Arkansas without increasing taxes. But because that's not what the administration, what the leadership wanted, those bills never got out of committee. So now we're voting on our own tax increase. In, in, in hey, let's make one Again, thing clear. Yes. The reason 
that we've had to have all the tax increases that we've had to have on Internet and everything else. And the reason that we are voting, that we will be voting, to extend that extra two cents to go on our gas tax. In perpetuity. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indefinitely. And we're going to put it in the Constitution that it's going to grow in the future also. Mm -hmm. The only reason all of this taxes are having to be passed and voted on is because of Medicaid expansion, $2 billion a year. We had to start out paying zero for five years, Mm -hmm. 5%. after five years, and we're getting up to 10% now. We'll be up to 10% of that $2 billion a year, and that money has to come from somewhere. So they're going to cry about their roads. They're going to cry about this, and they're going to cry about that. But the only reason they're raising taxes in the state of Arkansas is to fund the Obamacare program that they're all getting donations and making a profit off of. All right. Well said. Let's get a break. We'll do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's on a roll. I just wanted to say that, R.D., you're exactly correct. There's Because of so much money that's coming into our state now, because of our um, the Medicaid or, uh, expansion and whatnot, yeah, we're seeing a lot of people that don't have the principles that we really thought that they had. And uh, they've taken money. I, I'm, it's going to be interesting. I don't think it's over yet. I don't think we've seen everybody yet, and we still may see some people that pop up that surprise us. You're talking about indictments, yes. more indictments yeah. coming. I think there might be. I was told and there are the, sealed indictments. So. Okay. And, and you know the thing about it is, it's almost uh, unfortunate that these people were put in this position, you know, to where uh, – you you have access to all these hundreds of thousands of dollars of camp, of campaign donations, all these hundreds of thousands of dollars of people giving money to your law firm for consulting or whatever. It's really sad that people have to be elected and come to Little Rock mm-hmm. and to be subjected to that type of, of temptation. Do you know what I did? Do you, so, you know what I did? It's to only make a sure. temptation if you're willing to take it. To take it. But, well, that's but, true. But here's, that's here's, true here's another way you can not be tempted. Yeah, I agree with that. streams result in massive corruption. Yeah. But it's here's how you can not be tempted. When I ran, what we established from the beginning with my campaign team, I said, I don't, I don't want to touch the money. I will, ne- I will not take <laughs> contributions in my hands. I'm not touching it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I don't want any access to writing checks or anything on that campaign account i just want access to see what's coming in so that this team of people transparency exactly i said i don't want to touch it and i i stuck with that uh and i think well because you you you, there's no there's no reason for the appearance of an impropriety Mm -hmm. you you know so look i i I didn't touch the money then i think that's I mean, you you look at alan clark which which i think is a good guy Mm -hmm. he did and alan i think you know he did an excellent job at linda's funeral he was outstanding he was outstanding yes he was and alan if you're listening thank you you did an excellent job and uh and uh i appreciate the kind words that you had to say for linda mm-hmm. at her funeral you did a good job i couldn't have done it no he i could there's no way i could have got up there and said what he said he did an excellent job but i've seen alan come on this show and talk about children being taken out of their families away from their families mm-hmm. for financial gain and incentives that people have and corruptions in the dhs and i saw alan get tears in his eyes and mm-hmm. very passionate about it now alan he's on that dhs i mean he's after 
him. He's doing a good yes, job. Yes, But as long as you're raising the DHS money, $125 million a year, and as long as that monster is that big and is in, that involved in people's lives, there will be corrupt people there to do bad things. Mm-hmm. The only way to tear that monster down and take away the incentives for people to do bad things is to reduce the size of it and put those responsibilities in somebody else's hands. Okay, so part of that responsibility for financial incentives to remove children from homes was the federal government. For the, for a period of time, the federal government money. gave money to states based on the number of children they removed from homes. And then the feds finally realized, you know, maybe that wasn't such a good idea because it became a, a, an avenue for corruption and, and removing kids that shouldn't be removed. So, but even once that happened, uh, we still have kids. You know, you hear case after case. And of course, all people say, well, my kids shouldn't have been removed but but you know i know of some cases where they should not have and where there was uh, extreme overreach but you also look at the amount of money that we pay the head of dhs it is what close to a three hundred thousand dollar salary and she just got a raise recently and that's i'm trying to figure out why she got a raise when she her agency lost was it a 25 or 40 million dollars did they ever find that missing money how do you lose 40 million dollars or what what is the amount for it and get a raise for it. Oh, I would get listen. fired for that. I thought it was she, $27 million. $27 million? Our director, oh, that's different. Our director of DHS is a socialized medicine expert. She worked for Mitt Romney. She came to from help, Massachusetts. To Massachusetts to help put Romney Care together. She worked within for Denton Law Firm, who works for big pharmaceutical companies, Worked. So she's worked for Denton Law Firm. She is a Washington big government socialized medicine expert. Very sharp lady. When she came to Arkansas, they had to raise that position over a hundred thousand dollars just to get her to come to Arkansas. Well, I don't know if a state oh, job, so a she, state that job, was or worth somebody it, should pay she, close to three hundred thousand dollars. She came insane. to Arkansas because Arkansas is the only state with a test program to where they take Medicaid money and pay private insurance with the Medicaid money. That's the reason they called it the private option. That's the reason sometimes the other side's a little more transparent in what they do. They called it private option because they take taxpayers' money, they mm-hmm. buy insurance from an insurance company, and the insurance company provides insurance for people uh, up to a 138% poverty level. But these people are guaranteed 25% uh, profit on, on that in the contract. So she came here as a pilot program to run a socialized medicine program that uses private insurance companies to run the program, and they get 25% of the money between the taxpayers and the people that are getting the service. So she came here to roll out... a one-time thing that was going to work great, and then once they got it going good in Arkansas, then they'd take it to Washington and get it on all the states. Yeah, but and that one-time thing has turned into a permanent thing. That's what's well, for Arkansas. At my but expense. Real quick, I just got off the ship with a with a bunch of Democrats from all over the world, and I talked to <laughs> a bunch of them. I talked to I talked to them about politics and Donald Trump and everything. Maybe, I can't That's believe they didn't throw you ground. off the boat. No, I, you might have had to swim I, the last hundred miles. I, I can be smooth when i want to be did you wear a make america great again hat uh, while you were on no i should have i should have took it i wrote <laughs> i took my junkyard hat just but trump 2020 would but have been anyway good i ask every democrat that i've ever met every democrat i've ever met i ask him this question 
Should an insurance company make 25% profit between a taxpayer and a person receiving care that needs care at a hospital, should an insurance company make 25% profit? And I've got a 100% ratio talking to Democrats. And they say, no, an insurance company should not make a profit between a taxpayer providing a service to someone in need. Here's another thing that you were just talking about that I have never understood. You're talking about this benefit is available to people making up to 138% of the poverty level. The poverty level is supposedly the level above which you are not in poverty and below which you are in poverty, right? So if you're making 38% more than the poverty level, by definition, you're not poor. And if you're not poor, why does my tax dollar have to subsidize your living? Because it's a wonderful socialist program. <laughs> and it's, socialist it, hey, program. Hey, but you look, you look since this came to the state, and you look at the cost of government, you look at the size of government, and you look at campaign donations. You start looking at how much the governors have had in their campaign fund. Let's see how much money came into the Democratic Party when they were doing it, and let's see how much money came into the Republican Party. This system has been profitable Okay, for so the moral of the story is Except this. Me. Anytime yeah. your me. government, whether it's city, county, or state, or federal, any time your government does something that doesn't make sense follow the money oh even if it makes sense follow the money follow the money always follow the money if it says reform on it run you know where that you know that you know where that, see some of that you're talking about like our tax reform yeah. commission the tax reform the tax commission that we had in arkansas that was supposed to reform our tax code and really you know make it better and cut taxes overall what, what did we get out of that? Yeah, that tax commission. They found out ways to raise our money. Raise taxes. Raise taxes. They want to take it in the left pocket and put, put it in the right pocket. That's like a task force. They, they put it together a tax a task force to review the Medicaid program mm-hmm. and see the best way to implement and save money and do it as efficiently and as conservative as possible. But whenever the task force came up with the company, they wanted to review the program. It wasn't the one that the establishment wanted. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, where where in the where in the Bill told. of Rights does it say that you have a right to health care, free health care? I'm, I'm I, you I, know, I asked that. that very question of Bill Clinton's Attorney General. What was her name? The lady from Joyce Jocelyn Elders. Elders. Yeah. Yeah. Jocelyn Elders was the Attorney General. She spoke to my Lions Club. No, 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 Surgeon, no, General. Surgeon General. Uh, Surgeon General. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Surgeon General. She was the Surgeon General, and she was pumping universal health care. Uh, at the Lions Club in the 1990s. Now, I wouldn't be talking about pumping anything with Jocelyn Elder when she was talking about, no. you know, well. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he saved, you just got saved. You just got saved. I asked, her, I, I asked Jocelyn Elders, uh, I said, where in the Constitution does it give you a right to health insurance? He says, well, it may not be written in there, but everybody needs it, so we have to have it. So uh, it's a right. Now it's the bill of needs. It's now the bill of needs, not the bill of rights. I need food in the car to drive to work, too. Yeah, you know, maybe the go. government should give me free food and a ride to work. <laughs> hey, look. Shh. They're already talking about that stuff. <laughs> All I did was when I was dirt poor back in the 1970s when you were still in school, when I was dirt poor and making 
probably half of that 138% of the poverty level. I thought you I were was, still dirt poor. I, well, you know, I, I, I've slowly accrued a little, bit, accrued a little bit from my dirt poorness over the years. So I've got years and years of living below dirt poor levels. So I've got something left now. But back then I had none. I had $50 in the bank, 300 old record albums, a cheap stereo, and a $300 car. And that's all I had to my name. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm, I was, I'm dirt poor then. I was bringing I, home, I I was bringing home 45 bucks. <laughs> a week, and I was making way too much money to get a handout from the taxpayer. It didn't take, it didn't and, take and much it was, to run out of somebody else's money. You know. And it was starvation and, and the desire not to be dirt poor anymore that caused me to get better at what I was doing and work harder and pull myself and out of it. And that will be it for this hour. We come back next hour. What's the Secretary of State Pompeo saying about Iran? What's he saying about illegal immigration? You'll find out as we continue the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you for the final hour of the Power Panel. R.D. is here. Carl is here. Jan is here. You're here. So we got a great show going on. That's just the way we like to do it. We want to start off this hour. We're going to do a little international news. Uh, Secretary Pompeo today had a press briefing about going over to uh, CENTCOM and hearing some things about Iran and uh, talking about uh, illegals coming across the border as well. I wanted you to hear about it. We'll talk about it. You can always get involved in the conversation, 823-0965. That is the phone uh, uh, to get a hold of his phone number. So right now, here is uh, Secretary Pompeo. Uh, good afternoon. It is the assessment of the United States government that the Islamic Republic of Iran is responsible for the attacks that occurred in the Gulf of Oman today. This assessment is based on intelligence, the weapons used, the level of expertise needed to execute the operation, recent similar Iranian attacks on shipping, and the fact that no proxy group operating in the area has the resources and proficiency to act with such a high degree of sophistication. This is only the latest in a series of attacks instigated by the Islamic Republic of Iran and its surrogates against American and allied interests. And they should be understood in the context of 40 years of unprovoked aggression against freedom-loving nations. On April 22nd, Iran promised the world that it would interrupt the flow of oil through the Strait of Hormuz. It is now working to execute on that promise. In early May, the Revolutionary Guard Corps attempted the covert deployment of modified DAOs capable of launching missiles. On May 12th, Iran attacked four commercial ships near the Strait of Hormuz. On May 14th, Iran-backed surrogates attacked by armed drones struck two strategically important oil pipelines in the Saudi Arabia. On May 19th, a rocket landed near the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. On May 31st, a car bomb in Afghanistan wounded four U.S. service members, killed four Afghan civilians, and wounded bystanders. Yesterday, Iranian surrogates fired a missile into Saudi Arabia, striking the arrivals terminal of an international airport injuring 26 people. Taken as a whole, these unprovoked attacks present a clear threat to international peace and security, a blatant assault on the freedom of navigation, and an unacceptable campaign of escalating tension by Iran. Prime Minister Abe made a trip, a historic trip to Iran, to ask the regime to de-escalate and enter into talks. Iran's Supreme Leader rejected Prime Minister Abe's diplomacy today by saying he has no response to President Trump and will not answer. 
the Supreme Leader's government then insulted Japan by attacking a Japanese oil, oil tanker just outside of Iranian waters, threatening the lives of the entire crew, creating a maritime emergency. Iran's foreign minister today responded to these attacks. He said sardonically, quote, suspicious doesn't begin to describe what likely transpired this morning, end of quote. Foreign Minister Zarif may think this is funny, but no one else in the world does. Iran is lashing out because the regime wants our successful maximum pressure campaign lifted. No economic sanctions entitle the Islamic Republic to attack innocent civilians, disrupt global oil markets, and engage in nuclear blackmail. The international community condemns Iran's assault on the freedom of navigation and the targeting of innocent civilians. Today I've instructed our UN Ambassador Jonathan Cohen to raise Iran's attacks in the UN Security Council meeting later this afternoon. Our policy remains an economic and diplomatic effort to bring Iran back to the negotiating table at the right time, to encourage a comprehensive deal that addresses the broad range of threats. Threats today apparent for all the world to see, to peace and security. Iran should meet diplomacy with diplomacy, not with terror, bloodshed, and extortion. The United States will defend its forces, interests, and stand with our partners and allies to safeguard global commerce and regional stability. And we call upon all nations threatened by Iran's provocative acts to join us in that endeavor. Thank you. All right. Uh, pretty straightforward, I mm -hmm. would say. Well, he's clearer than the people we've been listening to earlier than the show. He detailed <laughs> Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. He detailed numerous acts of war. Yes. And they may not have been as big as Pearl Harbor or as big as 9-11, but they were just as much clear violations of international law and casus belli for the opening of hostilities to put an end to an international threat. And, you know, the Iranian people are, are really, they're really a wonderful people. The, the, the people of Iran are, are very well-educated people, very hardworking people, and for the most part, a, a very pro-American people. Yeah. And, and, and were, before the Ayatollahs took over, a very, a very westernized people as members of, of their general part of the they world They got goes. sold a bill of goods. Well, they, but you, you know, the Shah was hardly any prize. No, but, he but wasn't. When, but when Jimmy Carter made sure that the Shah was supplanted by the Ayatollah Rumeini Khomeini mm -hmm. in 19, was that 78, I believe. Yeah. Uh, you know, he laid the foundation. This is another one of the massive, massive international failures of the Carter administration. I know it's kind of late to be picking on Jimmy Carter, but, but credit where credit's due. Jimmy Carter opened that can of worms, and it's never gotten anything but worse since. Their leadership there are a nest of snakes who are dedicated to an apocalyptic vision of Islamicism conquering the world, and, and if the world must end in fire for it to happen, bring it on. Okay. Well, I tell you, I tell you one thing. What you said about the people in Iran, I don't dis 
discount that at all. And I might say that 20% of the leadership there is the problem and 80% might be good people. But just like the Nazis, the Nazis were not the majority in Germany and most of the German people were just like what you're talking about. But when 80% lets 20% run the company, the 80% is what we call irrelevant. Yeah. It's time for them to take and they their made control. themselves irrelevant. That's well, exactly right. Any country that allows its government to disarm the people makes the people irrelevant. And every single time that has happened throughout world history, tyranny is the result. Sure. And, right. and we saw that during the uh, uh, attempted Green Revolution when the people of Iran were objecting to an obviously blatantly rigged election when one of the 1979 captive takers was elected. In a, in a bogus election to be president of Iran, and all they could do was stand on the rooftops and say Allahu Akbar because they didn't have any arms and they didn't have any constitutional rights. All right. I want to go back and talk a little bit about concealed carry. We've got a caller, and Tim joins us. Tim, how are you? Pretty good, Dave. What's up? Um, well, I've... I've had some messages with Jan uh, about some of this. She's clarified. We have in, I live in Indiana. We have land in Marion County, Arkansas still. But we've got our concealed carry license here in Indiana last October. It took about two weeks total. Uh, they did the standard FBI and state police background checks, and, and you know, we passed and we carry now. But my question to Jan initially was, well, if we go through Arkansas, because I understand that roughly 38 states have reciprocity with other states that have carry permits. Mm-hmm. Correct. My question today is, if the state of Arkansas's constitution and the articles therein and sections clearly outline that there is a constitutional carry state, that would dictate a right to those state residents to have an arm. And I don't know if it's limited to pistols or rifles or whatever, but since we're talking about handguns, let's just say it assumes that a citizen of Arkansas can carry by the constitutional rule a concealed weapon or at least a can carry a weapon, whether it's open or concealed. So what is your question? And the question is, why is there, why is there even a debate? Does <laughs> not the state constitution rules overlay and overrule any state legislative acts that are passed? Yes. Yes, it is. It, so, why is, so why isn't the attorney that's general... That's a question but, but it, but that's, that's, that's a question that we should be asking on the national level. We have a Second Amendment in the United States Constitution and Bill of Rights, which uh, clearly defines that keeping and bearing arms is a right, not a government-issued privilege. A right is something you're born with that's inalienable. A privilege is something an entity can give you. That's why our founders very clearly used the word right when they wrote the Second Amendment. It is not your permission slip to carry a gun. It is a statement limiting the power of the government. That's what the Second Amendment is. But but even outside of Arkansas, Arkansas is not the only state guilty of this. This is nationally. We've allowed, the people of America have allowed the government to infringe. There are over 30,000 gun control laws on the books in America right now, and every single one of them are forms of infringement, and in, therefore in violation of the United States Constitution and the Second Amendment. So, you know, it's not just in Arkansas this is happening, but I want to clear, I want to correct one statement you made. In Arkansas, as in any state, and there are a number of states now that have gone to constitutional carry, it's not just geared toward citizens of Arkansas. It doesn't matter what state you're coming from. The moment you cross over the Arkansas state border, you have a constitutional right in this state to carry a gun, open or concealed. You don't even have to be a United States citizen. If you are crossing into the state of Arkansas, you have a right to keep and bear arms, period. 
I've I've so got a request for Tim there. Tim, this is okay. R.D. Hopper. I've got a request. Would you send that uh, question of yours to the governor and attorney general and then report <laughs> back the answer to that question, and you will enlighten us? Yeah, I think we've all been asking that same okay. question all so, afternoon. But thanks for calling in. Hey, where, are you coming? Right. Are you calling from Indiana? Yeah, I'm calling from uh, near Purdue University between Chicago and Indiana. Yeah, Lafayette. Yeah, I'm from Indiana, so I know exactly where you're where you're at. So, well, you found I can look at that online, right? The uh, address of the state attorney general. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's all you got to do. Hey, I'm impressed though that in your state, people can get a concealed license in a couple of weeks. Here, it takes you know months, months. three, four weeks, depending I don't know on how if busy that's they the are. Norm, but in October, that's when we did it, and 139 dollars later each. Yeah, seventy-five dollars of that goes to the state police, though. But let me ask you one more question before we let you go: How many pages sure. is the application for a concealed handgun license in the state of Indiana? Do you remember the application? Is it? It was yes. It was two or three. Two or there three. Was, yeah, I think two is the right answer. Did you have to Not sign two. off and give permission for them to access your <laughs> medical records when you signed up for an Indiana? No, concealed? not at all. It okay. basically wanted you to verify and assert that you were not a criminal. And you're not crazy. Any felonies? No. And it says right on our license: you're subject to lose your license if you're convicted of a felony. Right. Or become crazy. Well, that's why somebody said earlier that our whole concealed carry licensing position, our paperwork in Arkansas, has the the feel of that nasty, pesky red flag law thing. Because they're assuming that if you're on certain kinds of meds that you're crazy. Or they're assuming that if you have all these different things that they're going to be able to access, that if they find detailed information that you had a nasty divorce or, you know, you had to go to counseling for something that you might have mental issues, therefore you shouldn't have a license. Therefore, we should not let you have a gun. (laughs) Yeah, hey. Tim, just let me suggest that you not say to any Democrats in Indiana that you know Dave Ellswick. <laughs> I will not. All right. We'll talk to you later, brother. Thanks, Thanks Tim. Thanks for Yeah, definitely. Okay, I, was, I was the guy that started the Red Revolution in Indiana as well. <laughs> The well, Red Revolution. That's right. I mean, yeah. as and in, then you as brought in, it to Arkansas. Republican. Republican. Or, oh, okay. Then you brought it to Arkansas. Then, well, I took it to North Dakota first, and then I brought it to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I can't wait to hear back from Tim. Yeah, Me too. that'd be great. I can't wait for Dave to finish his revolution. Oh, I think yeah. he will. I think he absolutely will. Would, so are we going to talk about Senator Collins' um, yes, situation? Because I did, we never did, did really that. update we, that. Yeah, and we want to take a break. Okay. All right. Got to do that after the break. And we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, the loss of a dear friend, colleague, and a very great conservative. All right, so let's get back just for, well, let's talk about uh, Senator Collins first. In this next half hour, I want to come back and talk a little bit about more about what Pompeo said. <coughs> I, I, it seems to me that he... That's serious uh, stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm not saying that he drew a... A bright red line in the sand or anything, but, but he did. He really <laughs> he put Iran on notice. He, he laid all the evidence out. Yeah, I mean it's an, it's unmistakable. I mean, if if we if we do nothing, we essentially cede control of the Straits of Hormuz and the Arabian Gulf. The, to the only Iranians. thing that saved him this time is that there wasn't an American flag flying over any of those oil tankers. Or a solid, real solid ally. They've made runs on our warships with yep. their yep. little suicide, so, fake so, suicide runs. So the Russians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they, yeah, that was pretty serious. Yeah, they're getting a little big for their britches, too. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'll stop there. Let's talk about 
we know now that uh, we have an arrest in the case of uh, Senator Collins' uh, murder, and uh, the alleged woman is being held, I think, in Walnut Ridge, from what Mm -hmm. I understand, because that's... They have a, a woman's facility Lawrence County. They took, her out, they yeah. took her out of the district. Wait, yeah. There were a few surprises in that hearing, though. And, I, you know, I like to just keep it about the facts here. Out of respect for Senator Collins' family right. and out of respect right. for the integrity of this program, we like to keep it to the facts. And here are the facts. Some things that came out in the, the uh, hearing that they had yesterday were additional charges, which I thought was interesting. They have made this a capital murder case. Yes, they so, have. So capital murder case, number one. Number two, that's they charged... That's serious stuff, just yeah, for they, you people. Yes, that's death penalty. And then they also charged her with <clears throat> abuse of a corpse. Mm-hmm. She moved a dead body, that's serious. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Uh, and, and tampering with evidence. Mm-hmm. So those were some charges that I did not expect you know you hear well, a lot yeah. of things you weren't expecting that i would in the expect case, so. both those charges i would i would assume okay now i'm assuming here that whoever did it all right i don't know if it's this woman or not mm-hmm. but somebody did some cleanup after it was over trying to cover up their tracks so that's but you do know that, that Rebecca O'Donnell, uh, she was close friends with Linda for yes, years. I, I mean, years. Her DNA would be all over that house. Yeah, that, so, well, I mean, that would be expected. If I look at what all happened in the the body being moved and everything, we're going to stick to the facts. But in my opinion, there was more than one person involved in what was going on Um yeah, that's uh, why there, there's more than one person. Linda did also own a firearm, and of course, I know she was somebody that she trusted. Mm-hmm. But uh, in my opinion, there's more than one person involved in this deal. Yeah, I don't know if that's it's the sad. case or not. When, when did we they say the next wait. hearing is July? Right? Yeah, July thirty first. Is that the actual trial date, or is no, that another hearing? That's arraignment day. Okay, well, because we had, yeah, because we what we had uh, yesterday was a probable cause hearing. Mm-hmm. And then now, when is the gag order up? Because until the judge says it's up. Until the judge see, you know that's something that I want to talk about because twenty seven years as a TV investigative journalist, I covered I covered police beat. We did we did a lot of murders, covered a lot of murders, and and in all those years, I've never never had a case where a judge, before a case was even in his court, issue a gag order on the investigating officers. Because police don't need an order from a judge to withhold information from the press. Police have a a legal right to do that, as you know, as a journalist. All they have to do when when journalists ask them questions, they say, it's currently under investigation. As long as this is an open investigation, we have a right to withhold all information because it could jeopardize the integrity of the case. And that's what generally law enforcement says to media. So the judge didn't do this to keep the to give the law enforcement excuse not to talk to the media. So I, I, I'm trying to figure out what, how the judge had jurisdictional authority over a case that wasn't even in his court. Does anybody have an answer to that? Seems to me I read that the judge who made this decision was friends with Linda Collins Smith. Ex-husband. Ex-husband. Well, yeah, the judge, isn't it? Judges tend to help other judges. Now, I'm mm-hmm. not saying he's trying to let him beat a murder rapper if that's the possibility or whatever. What I'm saying is that he's got a friend and he's doing him a favor by not 
letting everything get out. Yeah, all people ought to be treated equal no matter what. All men are created equal and everybody But we know everybody that gives away. Well, if I was Rebecca O'Donnell's trial. attorney, and I'm not her Some attorney, but if I was, I would be asking animals. for a change of venue. Yeah. Right I don't know about top. that. And we see that she's got just a public defender. Mm-hmm. We know that. Which and is that, not a place I would like to be if I was in, no, on trial for capital murder. No, not if you don't have the money to get yourself a good lawyer. You need a good lawyer. Keep you, you away from, keep yourself away for from the death sentence. All I want is that we get justice for Senator Linda Collins. Yep. I, I love her. Regardless, even if it was a senator I didn't love, I still want justice. More in a moment. News is right now. All right, back with you here on the Dave Helswick Show. Boy, did I pull the horse's reins on that one. You did. <laughs> you did. Just in time. Zip. Yep. Yeah, I got to. Hold on. Can't talk anymore. Stop. <laughs> A lot of people nothing don't hear else. all the good stuff. I know nothing. That's it. Absolutely, Sergeant Schultz. Mm-hmm. You know, I promised people, because when I was at the state capitol earlier today and I told you I was going to do a tease for this show, I said, what are we going to be discussing? And you mentioned illegal immigration yeah. and what President Trump's doing right now. Yeah. Well, you haven't talked about that. See, it's 430. Did you hear, so did you hear what he I said? I teased it. he's going to start tomorrow? What is he going to start they're gonna tomorrow? Start, they're going to get rid of a million. Rounding in, them in, up. Yeah. I'm so excited. ICE is going to go up. Good. This is going to be like when time. Eisenhower was uh, was president and Operation went wet back. back. That's exactly yeah, that's what it was called. I love it. I love Operation it. That's politically incorrect, though, now. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, it, was in, it was incorrect back hey, then. do you know what's exciting? Did you see all the people... Did you see all the people lined up already for the Trump rally? Did you see the, the people yes, in the full night? hours in advance. I was going to make a, compared to two hundred people. They show were up lining up forty hours in advance. Yes, for that. Hey, who do we got on the line that wants us? Derek Anderson. Hi, Derek. Where are you calling from? Uh, actually, it's Eric. Oh, Eric. oh, I thought that Sorry. was the quarterback yeah. for the Cleveland Browns from 2007. <laughs> uh, I wish I wish I had a tenth of his money. But anyway, I'm calling in from Johnson City, Tennessee, cool. home of Mountain Home VA Center. Mm. And uh, we have more retired brass around here than you can shake a stick at. And the number of people that show up for a Trump rally around here um, there's more people in line for the bathroom at a Trump rally than there are that show up. <laughs> on the left side of the That's rich. I, yeah, that's good. That. I like that. Too. Here's, it is true. What I think is interesting is they talk about all these people that show up at Biden rallies, and there's like 300 people at most. If that many. And you ask how many people are going to show at Trump's rally tonight? They have given out 100,000 tickets already. Amazing. They will fill stadiums mm-hmm. for Trump. I mean, when we had our rally here in town, it overwhelmed the entire area. Not only the entire stadium was packed, uh, which uh, big bands have played there. I mean, if I mention the names, you'd recognize them. You probably have the recordings at home. But not only the inside of it, the grounds on the outside of it, the streets going out towards it, you had to drive 10 miles to get around the thing. Right. It, it was that huge. Now, the reason I called actually is to get back on point is I heard that there were two senators within two days that showed up dead. Yes, there, there were. were. <laughs> One in Oklahoma. Yeah, if that doesn't make the hair on the back of your head just stand yes, right but up in the. 
But the issue there, I think one of them has not been ruled a homicide yet. Ours, our senator here was clearly a homicide. The last time I checked, uh, the the senator, the former senator in Oklahoma, was uh, questionable. They were trying to determine if it was homicide or suicide or what exactly the deal was, um, unless now, they have ruled we, on that. Didn't we have someone on the Supreme Court that just – dropped dead after he really came raging out against the left mm-hmm. okay so you're probably so what referring you're, to scalia yeah right yes he's referring yes. to scalia <clears throat> well here's the thing i can tell you this based on what i know which i i i do have a lot of sources within the case and i'm not going to talk about what i know but what i'm going to tell you is this i can tell you that this our senator's <laughs> murder was not connected to the clinton's it was not collect, connected to CPS and any investigative work our senator was doing on that or any other uh, investigative work that she was doing. I, I really don't see that. But but we do agree anytime something like that happens, that does raise a question. But just because something looks like it may be that way doesn't mean that it is. So we'll just have to keep an open mind and. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, and let, let let it roll up and let right. the evidence make the truth. But yeah, there's a lot of questionable things that that happen that sometimes we wonder. But sooner or later, I say the truth does come out. Well, there are a lot of extenuating. Of truth. There's it a does. lot of extenuating circumstances that the general public is not aware of involving Senator Collins' life. That I think, you know, I respect for her family. I'm not going to get into. But I think that all that will come out in the trial, and then it it will be a lot. People will understand more. Uh, what what happened? But we appreciate you calling. I tell yes. you one thing: she was she Thank was a very on, yeah she, she was, was a very honorable. Here, yeah, in this state, she was very honorable. Honorable. She was honest. She was a true patriot of this country in this mm-hmm. state, and we loved her de- dearly. So uh, we appreciate your call. Hers yep. are big shoes to fill, even though they were tiny little shoes. She was. I'm impressed that Dave Ellswick's got fans calling in from Indiana and Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, I think probably have. You're watching the show today with on my on, Facebook. On Jan's my Facebook, Facebook today. is national. We'll and see how it unfolds. Uh, One point five million followers. That's where we. That's uh, we hope they'll stick we're around. We're live. Yes. We hope that they'll stick around. Yes. Some with us. Okay, so you you've gotten hooked up with our yes, our I have. Well, well, a lot now. of Good. things that we talk about on this show aren't just Arkansas. No. Just you know, the, the, we talk about things that impact everyone. Yeah, so. the whole thing. You got what? Just the front page. You don't have the B section, do you? I did bring the B section. If you have it, I, I just wanted to read a a little article from the Dim Gas today. Mm-hmm. It's a good one, and it's talking about. Are you going to read it with polls. better inflection and more yes, enthusiasm than, than Paul? I than, uh, definitely. I will do, read his I will thing do that. Well, he was, was, now he was reading a law, and that's yeah, hard. Yeah. To read bring. it. Read it like it's a story. Okay, so read it with go. some enthusiasm. Let me okay. get it here for you. Show no professional does. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing this for so many years. Can you give us a hint? What's this about? Okay. Everybody's making big deals right now about the polls and how Biden is 10 points ahead of Trump, right? <laughs> Let me just tell you Wait, what. Are they the same polls that said Trump would never win? Yes, that, yes. Those polls. Okay. okay. But here you go. Thank you, President yeah. Muskie. Okay, so this is from uh, the editorial page today. This is pretty funny stuff, all these polls. It's not even an election year. It's not even halfway through the year before an election year. Yet some pollsters are still getting paid to call folks on the phone to ask their preferences the next time that the president of the United States is on the ballot. With more than 500 days to go, it's Bernie by a length. 
The 45th president is currently fighting with the media over polling. Candidates are jostling for position depending on polling. Some Democratic candidates aren't invited to the debates coming up because of low polling. Other candidates are waving numbers around at fundraisers hoping to get big donors to give their money based on polling. In June of 2019, it all reminds us of something that happened in the 1980s. And I've talked about this, and I want you to listen to it. I feel like Dad sometimes. You know how Dad told you things were the truth and you shouldn't do this, and you didn't believe them, and then somebody else told you the exact well, I know same that you're thing. So old and then that everybody, not think of you as now, dad. everybody <laughs> believes you, right? Don't we? All right. There was a particular vice president named George Bush who was campaigning against a governor of Massachusetts, one Michael Dukakis, or as I like to call him, Michael Tank Commander Dukakis. The loser. In the summer of 1988, after the Democratic National Convention in July, all right, November is the election, correct? In July, Michael Dukakis had a 17-point lead on George H.W. Bush. 17 points in the Gallup poll. It would be a Democratic win in a walk. Four months later, Vice President Bush would win 426 electoral votes compared to Governor Dukakis's 111. And you should see the map. Michael Dukakis carried the usual suspects like New York State and Oregon. But for George Bush... California, Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Maine, Vermont, Illinois, etc., etc. So can we give it a break and start talking about the polls about this time next year when they might actually mean a little bit more? You know, Those things that they're showing you on TV is because they got to feed... The 24 hour news, news cycle, cycle and they exactly. need something to talk about. That's all they're doing. Exactly. And, and, they're, and it's a combination, Dave, of that and wishful thinking. The, Hopeful a lot thinking. Of, a lot Not of, even wishful thinking. A lot of the people that are doing these polls are doing these polls because they want a certain candidate or a certain type of candidate. Yep. And and the way they ask the questions has a huge amount to do with it. They, they had polls saying that that uh, George McGovern was going to defeat Richard Nixon at the end of the Democratic Convention in 1972. There were polls that said that Jimmy Carter would beat Ronald Reagan, that that Walter Mondale was Would going be to beat Reagan. Ronald Reagan. There were polls that said that George H.W. Bush was invincible not a year before he went down before a hillbilly from our a lecherous hillbilly from Arkansas <laughs> as uh, was once headlined okay, so, in a great So cartoon. the bottom line, I always like to get to the bottom. The bottom yeah. line is all this polling is nothing more than manipulation. It's actually collusion. Yeah, they're trying to, to, to change control, our minds. To control the narrative. The narrative they, they want to encourage or discourage us. They're worse than Depend- the Russians. 
Depend, depending on who we're for or who we're against, they want yes. to encourage us or discourage mm-hmm. us. Now, personally, I, and I get calls from pollsters all the time. My phone rings. They never con- call me. My landline and my <laughs> and my cell phone both ring constantly, and a lot of times it's from polling organizations. And I never, if I see it's a polling organization, I never pick up the phone. If I accidentally pick up the phone, find out it's a polling organization, I say not interested and hang up. And yes. and I think there are a lot of people that think like I do that don't talk to pollsters because they think this whole polling business <clears throat> a year and a half out is a bunch of BS. Baloney sandwich. Yep, yeah, I agree yeah. with that. I talked to a, a lady at the pool on, on, on the ship again that said <laughs> I asked her if she had Hillary Clinton bumper stickers on her car and she confirmed that she did. Yeah. So she asked me if I was going to vote for Donald Trump and I said I haven't seen a, a, a better alternative so far but I wasn't going to state who I was going to vote for yet. I said would you agree the reason Donald Trump is president because nobody trusts politicians on the Democrat or the Republican side and this Democrat said yes I would have to agree with that and I said do you have a candidate that you'd like to refer me to from the Democratic Party that I could trust, and uh, she didn't have an answer. <laughs> Probably because she'd have a okay. tough time coming up with one. Did you see where AOC said that Trump has concentration camps on the border of America and Mexico? Just yeah, he's like doing the, the same thing Obama did, so he's a Nazi. Obama it was fine, but when Trump does the same thing Obama did, that was prescribed by law, passed by Democrats. He's a Nazi. Obama was fine, but Trump's a Nazi. And then they this went and showed video of the little kids in these uh, from these the Obama centers, era in these centers. No, they showed after it was AOC was like they're they're treating these little kids like concentration camps. And then they go and show and these little kids are playing games. And they've got plenty of food and everybody's happy and it's you know it's. But Jan, they're just not showing them marching them in the gas chamber. <laughs> Uh, you know, AOC knows everything. Yes, she does. Absolutely, she. Does. She when, whenever she runs for president, if not she's much still scares me, but she scares me. Yeah, the fact she, what scares years. me more is the yeah. people elected her. I, I just well, she's <laughs> in the bluest of bluest districts. Is the reason she got elected. Mm. And there's people in that blue blue district now that are getting kind of fed up with I, her. I, I that thought, would be an understatement. They I thought mad. all women knew everything. We oh. know a lot. We know a lot. You just sure you know more you than us men do. I'm leaving the studio when we take this break. I understand. You come back here, maybe he blood everywhere. He says that because everywhere. he's got a barrier between you know, me and him. The way you Keep yeah. watching on Facebook. Hey, don't forget about PI Roofing Home Solutions. They now do the highest quality gutter cleaning around. So if uh, you need that done, let them crawl up on the ladder and clean out your gutters. Don't you take the chance. Personally... I would much rather you go talk to them about getting your roof done. Have them walk your roof. Make sure there's no problems with that. And if there is, get it fixed by them. Uh, If you've had problems and you've had leaks and you need some home repair work done, let the folks at PI Roofing Home Solutions do it for you because they do the greatest job that's out there. They've done my roof. They've done some work in my house from a, a leak that I had because DirecTV took out a, a freaking dish the wrong way and didn't fill in the hole, so the water came in and they fixed that for me. You can learn all the things that you can get done by PI Roofing by just going to their website, piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. All right, so as we finish up this edition of the Power Panel, and thanks to RD and Carl 
course, Jan, for coming in today. Uh, I'll double all of your paychecks. They'll be looking for a little bit of extra in the mail. Hey, we ought to be paying you for this therapy session. I feel better today. (laughs) Because you were trying to be pessimistic about everything. I was trying to make you – there are some good things happening. Okay, with that in mind, uh, I just heard Jan say something, So, and it being that she's going to be covering uh, the trial when it begins Mm -hmm. over Senator Collins' murder. I will have you on whenever you need to be on during my show to bring us up to date okay. on that. I want yeah, to be doing a lot of know live what's happening. Right. Well, we're, 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 what we're going to do is just report the facts that come out that's during the trial. That's what I would expect from you. Yes. You know, that's because, what I, I because I'm old school journalist. You. Yeah. you know, that's that's what we were taught to do yeah, back yeah, in the old days when journalists were non-biased. You that's journalists were really biased. journalists. I, I tell you one thing, it was a shock for us. We were on the ship on, on a oh. on a sea day, and we turned on the TV on Fox News, and it showed a picture of Linda and says, Senator killed today. And Did it showed you send a picture me a Linda. thing saying, is Linda Collins dead? I think you sent me, didn't you? No, I, I saw Somebody I don't remember. Did, some, and I, you know, to go back I saw it. Yeah, I knew. I mean, been the way I found out is we were in shock. We turned on the Fox News on a ship in the middle of the Atlantic Sea and pops up a picture of Linda on there. We just had dinner with her like three weeks disturbing. before. I tell you what, it was a shock of a lifetime. It's still a yeah. shock. There, there are still people that I talk to that I know were very close to her, as I was, and who who say it still hasn't hit them. And, you know, I Reggie and I went to the funeral together, and I it really didn't hit me until I saw her father face-to-face for the first time. I met him, and he's a carbon copy of Linda. I mean, she looks just – and I just – I lost it. I was trying to tell him what she meant to so many people and what she did for this state and the kind of woman that she was, which I'm sure he knew. But just to hear it again, uh, yeah. to know that she was a woman of interrogation, who, uh, of all things, her favorite saying was – she told me, she said, Jan, just do the right thing. You know, and she always used her hand she, as emphasis, do the right thing. And I think she lived by that. And every piece of legislation that came across her desk is what is the right thing, not for Linda, but for the people. She was a yeah. people's legislator. You know, I, I've talked about this a couple of times since uh, this terrible thing happened. She would stop me and knew that she was coming on my show. Mm-hmm. And she goes, Dave, I'm going to say what i'm going to say and i said i know that linda and she says then i want you to say what i said the way you say it (laughs) she was a funny she was she was so you know there were so many of us at her funeral afterward we were just and then we found out that rebecca o'donnell had been arrested we also many of us knew on the way to the funeral yeah to the to the visitation yeah uh you know we're all gathering and we're and we're sitting there just in a slump and and depressed and i just i looked at the group and i said look can we i'll tell you what let's let's just end this let's talk about some fun memories we have with linda and it and everybody had because she was an amazing woman and she was a funny person and she was just full of life i don't know anybody that was that's what a a viewing and a funeral is for it is not for the dead it is for the the living living. she was the huggingest person i ever met (laughs) in my life i I don't come from a real huggy family but linda helped get me over that if you saw linda you're about to get a hug yeah She's a good. And you always person. knew where you stood with her. Yep. She did not mince words. I mean, I, as much as I loved her and I thought she loved me, there were times when she just looked at me and said, "You're getting on my nerves," or "I'm mad at you," and she meant it. She <laughs> meant it. And you say, "Okay, why?" And then you better fix it. So she was something else. Get it fixed. Get <laughs> it fixed. There'll never be another. 
No, been not, there's not another person like that over no. there. And that, no. you know, we talk about it that hasn't really hit us. You know when it's going to hit me? The next, next session. session. When you don't hear her little heels clicking yeah. across that marble yeah. floor. <laughs> when she comes up and says, when you want me on? Because <laughs> she always knew I wanted her on. Mm-hmm. There's, there's very few people in the legislature that will come on and speak the truth. There's a few people over there that will do that. I'll tell you the one that I'm really proud of in, in the last this last session. Robin Lunsworth. Lundstrom. Lundstrom, yeah. She, was, she, she had a good ranking, too. Yeah, she's, she's going to be a special one. I really believe lady. that. Yes, she very is. Very intelligent. She's very good. Yes. Julie Impressive. Mayberry. Another she's getting, strong She's Republican. getting that real strong mm-hmm. backbone. Yes. Gets me excited. All right. Guys, thanks so much. You got the Bible guys in the wings. I got to get them on. We'll do this again next week. Thanks, so, Hang on. We're coming back. I'm showing my... The swag I got from uh, R.D. Uh, he went to Ireland, Scotland, and then I guess they made a bypass and hit Iceland on the way home. And uh, this is very cool. He brought this to me. I, th- mm-hmm. I really like that. I like to watch that History Channel. Vikings. Mm-hmm. I like that show. That's a good show. And then he brought this to me. The Blarney Castle. That's going to mm-hmm. be Ireland. Okay. Yeah. And then this is an Iceland hat. Icelandic, yep. Mm-hmm. This Arctic Explorer Club, Reykjavik, Iceland. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some of us require hats a little more frequently than others. Yeah, I like that, too. I put God it on. Uh, it's going to be nice and warm. Yeah, yeah. God didn't uh, cool. bless us with a bunch of insulation on top. So. Yeah. <laughs> I always heard it this way. God don't plant no grass on a playground. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> on a playground. <laughs> it, uh, he only created so many perfect heads. The rest he covered with hair. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, I got that. All right, let's start it off. The Bible guys are ready to go. If you got a question, 823-0965, 823-0965. By the way, a lot of people have asked me, Dave, why do you do this hour every week? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. reason I do it. I just saw that uh, Fox News on their on their channel, I don't know if it's going to be a daily or it's going to be just a weekly thing, but there's a lady that's going to be doing a show just like this. Really? Oh, really? With some people. They've probably been listening to you. Well, I'm idea. just telling you, I'm, I'm a trendsetter, man. You are a trendsetter. Right. All right. Okay, so here's the question. Mr. Ellswick, can you please ask the Bible guys the following question for me? Why do we not see the Messianic community supporting evangelical churches who are trying to connect to their Hebrew roots? I'm thinking especially about Agape. Here is a church that is working very hard to incorporate the root of our faith into its expression of worship with little to no support uh, from the Messianic congregations. I know we've got some in North Little Rock, Sherwood, Malvern, Little Rock. Many within Messianic movement complain that the mainland churches just don't get it when it comes to our Hebrew roots. Then when a church does get it and starts celebrating the feast, etc., the lack of support and participation from the Messianic side of things is disappointedly lacking. Case in point, Agape celebrated Shavuot a couple weekends ago with a worship night and festivities on Sunday. Where was the Messianic community? It hurts my heart that such a lack of unity can be found, especially among those who I expected to know better. I hurt for Agape and for her leadership. Well, 
Well, that uh, was not a plant, by the way. <laughs> no, um, I will. Um, I guess um, being the pastor of Agape Church, I'll just kind of you know, kind of throw this out here, and then let the guys pick it up. Um, you know, what what we have tried to do at uh, at a, at the church is we've tried to we're it's not a fast process, but we're trying to bring our bring us back to a first century expression of what life um, as a a church that believed in the Messiah Yeshua would would do. Uh, and uh, we believe that a church that believed in Messiah would have a very different look to it than what most modern-day uh, churches would look like. It would be extremely messianic, and one of those expressions is the uh, is the feast. And uh, we believe because the feasts are perpetual and everlasting and happening in heaven, happen in the millennial reign, happen during the time of Jesus, before the time of Jesus, uh, that it would make no sense, uh, biblically speaking, that it, there'd be a pause button push mm-hmm. just because of the church. So it continues, and so we are working to find our expression within that. Uh, we're not uh, an orthodox in the sense of um, an orthodox Jewish congregation, but, uh, but we, I've, had, I've had, ra- I had a rabbi in town actually tell me that we were better Jews than they were um, because our people uh, enjoyed the celebration of uh, Shabbat and celebrate the feast days. So we're, we're, we're walking in the light that we have and we're doing what we can do. And we, I would fully expect, and I, and I, will, I will agree with the, with this, it's been it's been very disheartening when I have reached out and asked people to come and support us, especially when in the beginning when I was trying to, when I first got there, it was basically my wife and I were the only ones who were on this train, and so then to communicate and it caused some problems. It, it did. Not? It did. I lost people, uh, but when I when I started trying to 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 teach this way through, I really could have used some support from those who who know better, and it was uh it was quite. Um, it was quite disappointing, and, and I still find it disappointing to have a lack of support uh, when we're doing this. Now, praise God, the vast majority of my congregation is fully on board. So praise God for for the Holy Ghost and what and what He's done. But um, there sh- there should be more expression of unity among those who are supposed to agree with each other. When I was in a, still in the military and I was stationed in New Jersey, <clears throat> and I felt like the Lord was leading me back, I laid out a fleece, and sometimes I wish He would have answered the other one, uh, <laughs> and that was in my call back to Little Rock. Um, or am I going on with my Air Force career? So I volunteered for a spot here, and I volunteered for a spot to Germany, and I ended up being sent back here. So I was like, all right, Lord, I guess this call to establish this Messianic congregation here is what I'm supposed to do. So I reached out to my good friend, and we got the ball rolling and trying to start a Hebraic Roots Messianic Shabbat congregation in the state whose motto is the pig was a (laughs) wonderful, wonderful Mm -hmm. experience and challenge. And we found out, uh, very early on and it very it, it bothered me but at the same time um uh, i was going to say from a sarcastic tone which is my native tongue uh that god sent the wrong guy because of my quiet reserved nature so i was yeah. ill prepared uh-huh. to deal with all the, yes. the yes, confrontations that we got and lord forgive him yeah. for lying yeah. but i say that in the sense of this and this is what i mean by all of this I found out very quickly that the Messianic community and the Hebraic Roots movement ended up falling into the same trap, and we ended up listening to the same lie that has been spoken from the garden. And division and fight and strife over things that have no point in fighting over had infected, and there were people sent to the congregation by the devil himself to fight us on every single thing we did. And we heard from, you do too many rabbinic things, uh, or you don't do enough rabbinic things, or you, you don't. You you sometimes express a trinitarian view or too much oneness view or yeah. it's not it, it was and all of a sudden the wrong calendar there, right or the wrong calendar or the time for Shabbat and, and instead of going 
hey, you, you've learned about the roots of our faith, and you keep Shabbat, praise God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you keep the feast, praise God. Oh, you don't eat, you don't eat pork, and, you're, and you keep somewhat kosher? That's awesome. But it didn't. It turned into, um, well, you don't do it right. Yeah. And then yeah. it turned into the exact same thing. And it is turning into the exact same thing that has happened to the Baptist movement, the Pentecostal movement. You got the first, second, and 35th Baptist, the first, second, and 50th Pentecostal because they're fighting and dividing over things that are not – we're not talking about immorality. We're talking about theological views. And this goes to the broader message to the church. It's not just about the Hebraic Roots community, that we need to get together in oneness because that's the one or two things that Jesus said, that the world will know that you sent me, Mm -hmm. that if they are one – and by love. And there is no oneness in the body of Christ. And if you want to see the change in the world, I'm telling you, tomorrow afternoon, if the body of Christ started to get in oneness and started attending other congregations, doing things like this Arkansas Awakening, where different churches are getting together and worshiping together, not fighting, not arguing, not dividing over calendars or Shabbat times or uh, um different uh, things about the Trinity or Calvinism or none of this other foolishness, but get together in oneness, it will change. Yep. And so we will reach out and, and say to those who are in central Arkansas and as far whoever wants to make the drive that we are moving. And I mean, look, we have this platform. Yeah. How did this work out that you and Scott came to know <laughs> one another? And now we get to share on the radio to central Arkansas that most people in the church will not hear. God's going to do a wonderful thing. And those who want to be a part of it and, um, join up uh, we'll reach out to you and hopefully you'll you'll come and listen and be part and celebrate uh, and join us when we do the feast and all those kind of things but if there's those people out there that just want to come and tell us how we're not doing everything rabbinic don't come uh, <laughs> and by the way can i just jump in right sure, before sure. you and this was has been going on since just a few years after the 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 ascension absolutely yeah, yeah. Mm. i mean it's not new paul was fighting this the That's same right. battle yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Not new. at that time. But it, oneness it's, will change it's just something mm-hmm. it's just something that is inherently human, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all I can figure here. Reach anyway. out to us if you're in, if you're interested. And yeah. That's what yeah. I was gonna say. There is some difference now than there was even five or ten years ago, and that is that there are people like us sitting here today. Pick up the phone and call. Uh, I I travel around. Steve travels around. Scott travels around. You want us to come and and be with you, or teach, or preach for you? Pick up the phone and call us. We'll I will show up. I promise. These guys will show up. And, and on the other side of that, part of what we're dealing with is just human nature yeah. and the injury that. When you start walking this path, you battle everyone you've ever known. Yep. Uh, everyone wants to try to save your soul and protect you from moving back into legalism, and you get worn out. And you can get to this place where you've been beat on so much that you become so defensive mm-hmm. that anyone who doesn't do it exactly the way you do it, you, you just want to shove away so that you don't have to fight them at some point. And I think that's part of what goes on in the yeah. HR movement right I now. It's a, it's a protectionism. It, it's a it's a human self-defense mechanism because they're just worn out being beat on. Now, just so everybody knows is that I believe in the Messianic movement. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Scott would tell you that. Steve would tell you that. You know? Absolutely. Mr. Miller would tell you that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy would say the same thing. But here here's the key. It it didn't make me leave my church. That's right. No. I stay at my church and I share things that I've learned and I can tell you that for some people at my church it's made a huge difference. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's made their faith grow. Yeah. It really, really has. Mm-hmm. Um 
we have life groups at my church. Everybody knows I go to New Life Church in Cabot. And I'm going to start a life group starting in uh, in uh, the fall. And it's going to be teaching our Messianic roots, our Hebrew roots. Beautiful. And I'm going to use the teachings from the school that we talk about mm-hmm. sometimes awesome. during this. Why not just watch the classes? I don't. Yeah, I don't know enough yeah. yet to be able to sit in front of a class of people and answer questions. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I just let them watch you all, and you'll answer all the questions. Right. And if there's <laughs> more questions more to be asked, questions. I know you guys. Yeah. I'll just give you guys <laughs> a question, and you can answer. You can bring we, them here I on the show. Did there this. You go. I've had Steve come in and teach uh, for our life groups at times. Wonderful. It's important for people to know this. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. I, I can't really reiterate is. enough about the oneness that we yep. need to find a way, and maybe something on, that all the organizations out there that are trying to push that. And especially specific within the, the Messianic community, we cannot fall down the same rabbit hole that all the other movements and denominations and start infighting because we don't see things the same. I hope oneness comes to the whole body. Just keep yeah. in mind, it's all about Jesus yeah. Yeah, absolutely. or Yeshua. Yeah. All right. Some of you will get used to saying Yeshua instead of saying Jesus if yeah. you start learning about the Hebrew words. I, I look. I I just figure I like being called Dave, not you know Bobby. Uh, so I've got to believe that uh, Yeshua would like to be yeah. called Yeshua, not Jesus. Did you know that J is the last letter that was okayed in the English mm-hmm. language? I knew. I knew it was not. It didn't. Ex- I knew that it didn't exist uh, until about the middle of the 1600s. Yeah, yep, yeah. I just learned that today. I was yeah. reading and I came across yeah, Shakespeare that. had never heard of anybody named Jesus. Here's, here's yeah. what it's the all King about. The King James Bible didn't have the word Jesus in it. It's all about this. There's only one way to God. That's right. And it's through Yeshua. That's right. There That's you go. If, if they're teaching anything else, run. it's a lie. Mm-hmm. It comes right from Satan's mouth, the, the, the master of lies. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. All right, ready for another question? Okay, can I just say something real Go. quick? Yeah. Uh, you know, you of mentioned you, you mentioned that you um, that you that you have benefited from seeing the Hebraic side of your faith, but it hasn't caused you to abandon your congregation. No, and and I think that from from me, um, since this question dealt a lot with our church, I know there are a lot of Messianic groups that are out there that don't actually belong to any congregation. Mm-hmm. They're meeting here, they're meeting there, a little group here, a little group there, um, and. And yet, and and yet, then when you do have a, a church that's trying to to move this along, you would expect those to to come and to and to support, and um, and um, especially when the overriding complaint all the time is, well, they just don't get it, mm-hmm. they don't get it, and then like this question said, well, when someone does get it, you would think that the natural thing would be to go into and to support that, yeah. But you know, I, I do think this is this is this is a common failing we've had throughout our whole church life. I mean, think about this: if the church voted only for born again Christian people who held up to the law of God, mm-hmm. we we would determine every president, yep. every governor, yep. every congressman. We would determine everything. Yeah. But because we don't agree and we're and we don't hold the word as our, our standard. We have um, we have the messes that we uh, do have. So, just a, a quick shout out to any groups that are listening, or any people out there. Listen, um, you don't have a, home, a place to fellowship. You don't have a um, a home. You know, I, I invite you to come and be a part of what we're doing. And 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 if you are a messianic group out there, you have your services on Friday night or on on Shabbat, and you want to come and celebrate in a larger context with a group of people who thinks the way you do, join us. It's not just always on Sunday we meet. We had to, you know we have worship nights on. On, on uh, Shabbat on Friday night from time to time, so um, 
aclr.org you can find out all we do all right aclr.org yep Hey, don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Their phone number is 982-7451. I should have talked about this during the time that R.D. was here. He's the owner of Sonny's Auto Salvage. Here's what I'll tell you. Something goes wrong with your engine of your car or your transmission. Why go out and buy a rebuilt transmission, a rebuilt engine that's going to cost you thousands of dollars more than just replacing that engine or that transmission or whatever part it is? with a part that comes from a total loss vehicle. I mean, a total loss vehicle is this. It's been in a wreck, and it can't be driven again. But that doesn't mean the engine doesn't work or the transmission doesn't work or a lot of other stuff that's on that car doesn't work. Use that and save about 50% and let uh, Sonny's put it in for you because they'll do all the labor as well. Get standard warranties. Get stand, get your uh, guarantees of one, two, or three-year warranties and guarantees on all parts that you get from Sonny's Auto Salvages. I've always said about, you know, going green when it saves me green. This is a green way that I save money. Sonny's Auto Salvage, phone number is 982-7451. All right, got about a minute until we get to the uh, news and we get about 60 seconds of what's going on in the world. Here is the question for when we come back. All right, so you guys can be thinking about what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? I have heard many people say everything from arthritis to an eye condition, etc. What's the take of the Bible guys? And I'll be listening. You might be disappointed. No, <laughs> you probably won't get a real straight answer. But the bottom line, uh, we're going to get some uh, news here in a moment, and then we're going to come back, and we got more questions. We got questions about that. We got questions about Jewish customs of praying. Uh, and I got other questions that people have already sent in, and Bible guys will be taking them on. If you have a question, the phone line is open. You can call it up and put it on with us, 501-823-0965. And you who are watching on Facebook, you can text us or you can call us as well, and we'll answer in real time for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. one one. FM, the answer, we're back after the news. All right, back with you. Here was the question. Let's get back to the question. I've got to get back to my my phone here. And the question was, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? Well, I have heard many different people say everything from arthritis to an eye condition. What's your all's take? Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't discussed this with the other guys, but I'll just go ahead and give you what my two cents are here. Okay. Um, well, actually, um, there if you read the the uh, the chapter or the beginning of the chapter, it says, uh, "And because of the abundance of revelation, uh, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure." So um, the reason why the thorn was given to him is because he had been given lots of revelation by God. Keep him from getting a big head. Right. Exactly. So, so then the question comes then if. So in other words, if you get lots of revelation, you're going to get um, sick. That's kind of what it plays out. So if you believe that you get lots of, um, when you get lots of revelation, you get a thorn in the flesh, then the question would be, who in the world would be seeking for revelation? Because if I get lots of revelation, then I'm going to get this thorn stuck on me. Uh, But it actually goes on, it says, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. So the thorn 
first of all, is not from God because I, I was raised in a tradition that said that basically this was a you know that God you know mm-hmm. to make sure he didn't mm-hmm. get too prideful. Right, right. Well, it says there that it was a messenger of Satan to buffet him, uh, and what we find, at least from my perspective, what really makes it really kind of explains all this is the word thorn is actually a Hebrew idiom. And just like uh, we have these idioms in America, you know, she went ballistic, has nothing to do with a missile. You know, it's just an expression. Thorn in the flesh is a Hebrew idiom, and it basically means people who are coming against you. And if you read all the verses before, and that's First Corinthians chapter 12. If you read all the verses above that in chapter 11, what you see is you see a list of people who are coming against Paul. He says, I was beaten, I was stoned, I was this, I was that. And if you play, take that word thorn and go throughout the scripture, you find it repeated the same thing. I'll read just a couple of these. Um, this one here is going to be um, found. Um, this one's in Numbers, Numbers um, thirty-three fifty-five. It says, "But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those who you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides." Another one says to us in uh, Numbers um, or in uh, Joshua. Uh, Joshua number 23, verse number 13. Know for certain that the Lord will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they will be to you. They will be snares and traps to you. There will be scourges in your sides and thorns uh, in your eyes. And it just, and it just continues, to, um, continues to go on. Judges chapter 2, verse 3. Therefore I said, I will not drive out them before you. I will not drive them out before you, but they will be thorns in your sides. So the Old Testament reveals repeatedly that the Hebrew word for an adversary or someone who's coming against you is called a thorn. Okay. And so what happened there in with Paul is he had people who were coming against him. And that's isn't that what happened in every city? He goes in mm-hmm. and the Bible says and the and the devil would stir up the people and they would stone him, they would leave him for dead, they'd throw him out. I mean they would do all these things to him. It was basically people that were coming against him. It's a Hebrew idiom means thorns. I mean, the uh, uh, the word thorn is a Hebrew idiom for people coming against you. And again, you do you would do good to read the verses in Hebrew or in uh, Corinthians there, First Corinthians eleven, because it gives all these things that Paul says before he talks about the thorn. And there's not one sickness right. mentioned. Right. Every one of them is somebody coming against him. So the thorn in the flesh is just. Um, the devil stirring up people to persecute you, and they're called thorns. And is, that which, has not changed. No, that has not changed <laughs> at and, all. And that's the reason I don't why. Have any problem with that. That's why you need to know our Hebrew roots. Right. Yeah. That's right. Now they do get the sickness stuff because there's a couple references in other places where. Um, he talks about um, seeing how I had written this with my own hand and another reference where he says something about um, you would have given me your eyes. So some infer that he had um, this disease where he had the scales over his eyes. Um, but it's just it doesn't say that in context. It says what Pastor Could Scott be just said. Getting hot. He getting old. Yeah, <laughs> that, that right. too. And yeah. that's and that's not a sickness. Just getting old. Yeah. yeah. But 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 this is where I mean, I mean. Honestly, as growing up as a Southern Baptist, I was taught that Paul this was this was something that because he had so much revelation, he had a pussy eye disease, he yeah, had arthritis, problems, all this. Yeah. And just one Hebrew idiom answers, thorn, it all. answers the whole thing. Yep. You just clear up. Weird. 
if there was only a place that people could go <laughs> to learn such things. Tell them where to go. Where do people go, Steve? A <laughs> little go? place called the American Institute. Go there. It's AmericanInstitute.org, and you can learn all kinds of things about Hebrew idioms and the culture and the context of the scriptures. That's yeah. right. All right. All right. You guys ready for another question? Yes, sir. Here you go. Why do so many churches seem to be apathetic to the topic of Israel? Some churches boycott the country. Others openly support the opponents of Israel. Can you shed some light on this? Do you want military Steve or Pastor Steve? <laughs> well, you got to uh, – let's do the Pastor Steve part of it, which should lead into the military. <laughs> the, military say, the other one's much more fun. I don't, I don't know what your problem is. but So let's um, talk about replacement theology. I was going to say that's it. It's just ignorance, uh, and it comes from basically replacement theology in the sense that uh, those who believe in um, an all-of-prophecy-fulfilled mentality, a preterist mindset, which is um, of Catholicism, uh, Methodist, a lot of big churches. And so when they believe all of prophecy has been fulfilled, Israel's promises, or because they rejected the Messiah, they have lost all of their promises to the land and have no right. And so they don't see the return of Israel as God being a covenant-keeping God and bringing his people back from all of the four corners that he sent them. And so since they don't see it that way, they basically – here's the irony. They treat them as the Palestinians. The word Palestinian basically means squatter, and they are treating Israel as the squatter right. or the invader of the land when, in fact, we are seeing what happened when God said, go take the land of Canaan, and you will have to fight the inhabitants. Now he's saying, I'm going to gather you back, but they're going to have to fight their way. So it's just ignorant uh, and a theological – wrong theological view. I would I would go ahead and add to the whole idea of replacement theology. Maybe maybe we should even say what that is. I think so. We probably need to define that. Yeah, replacement theology is a is a is a theology that basically says that whenever the word Israel appears, you can replace it with the church because the church. now we're the people of God. And so nowhere does it say that. No, no. So they're displaced, and we're now we're now the special kids. Um, and, but I also think that there's a, another thing that goes along with that, which leads into it, and it's what I would what I would call dispensationalism or hyper dispensationalism which basically is it's a man-made way of interpreting scripture which basically allows you to divide up the bible into what we call dispensations and it can neatly compartmentalize the bible so you can say well this was a dispensation of of for israel uh, they had their chance. They blew it. Now it's a dispensation of grace, which is the church age. And then when we're gone, then Israel will get a chance again in the future. So we right. don't have to worry about Israel now. We don't have to deal with them right now. They're not relevant right now. The church is relevant. They're irrelevant. We're the people. They're not the people. And so, therefore, Israel becomes a non-factor in the eyes of most people because dispensationally they are displaced while the church is here. And then when we're taken away, they get their second chance at this ball game. And I think that adds to the replacement theology is as well but it's very subtle i mean if you're not careful you'll you'll buy into it yeah okay and that whole dispensationalism thing dispensationalism thing also leads to some for starters it almost always leads to anti-semitism secondarily it it leads to some weird understanding of scripture now and seriously messes up your understanding of prophecy. Uh, if you're going to accept that there are all these weird divisions within God's timeline, that God is not the same from the beginning of that book to the end of that book, then you also have a hard time understanding prophecy because prophecy was given in context with Israel. Um, when when God looks at the world, the center of the world is Israel, period, mm-hmm. plain and simple, Jerusalem. Um, so 
when we try to divide things up and eliminate or minimize the importance of Israel, you also really, really make prophecy goofy. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. We got to take a final break. When we come back, an interesting question. How do you guys feel? Do you believe that women can be pastors? That's coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, I got two questions left. We may not get to the last one because this one will take some time. Do you believe that women can be pastors? I think Billy said he was going to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. oh. I see how that is. Um, well, you did such a good job the last time you weren't here. Yeah, I, I mentioned that the this question had actually come up once before, four or five months back, and it's the only time I've ever gotten hate mail after a show from someone. So um, Scripture is pretty clear that the entire system, um, God identifies. God has no sex. We understand that, right? God is spirit, but God identifies in the masculine, in the male, and he creates created when he created structure he created that structure in a uh, male-centered sort of environment now that does not mean that there were not women who were called to specific roles because that is simply not true but god established authority from god to man to wife Um, and it would be hard and we were discussing this a moment ago it would be hard for a woman to be sitting in a position of, of authority and her husband sitting underneath her authority because that turns the authority pyramid upside down. Um, so while there are places for leadership um, for a woman within a congregation or within a church, there are positions and senior pastors, just one of those where the answer to that is it, it can't happen because you would put a woman in authority over men. And that is upside down from the biblical structure that God created. Yeah. And, I, and I would agree. Um, <clears throat> Especially if a woman is uh, is married and her husband is a member of the congregation, because the scripture does say that the husband is the head of the wife, uh, and uh, as Christ is the head of the church, and, and God is the head of Christ. So, for her to be submitted to Him as her spiritual leader, and then they walk in the church door, and then it flips around, and now he, she's His spiritual leader. That just doesn't uh, it doesn't work theologically to work to, for it to function like that. So, uh, I would say the answer is no. Plus, we have a uh, you know, as as Billy was saying, God identifies in this way. He, Jesus said, "When you've seen me, you've seen the Father." Mm-hmm. Um, every person that Jesus chose to be his uh, disciples were all were all men. That didn't mean he didn't have women working with him and women serving and women doing all kinds of wonderful things and contributing. And they were still very much a part, but they were not one of the apostles. He could have very easily chosen one, sure, but sure. but he didn't. And this and so this becomes our. Uh, our set example uh, for us and how we continue to roll this out. Women prophesy and they teach and they do all kinds of wonderful things. But when it comes to a pastoral role, um, then that seems to be a male exclusive. And I think also even the word pastor in uh, the Greek is actually masculine. You know, words have masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. English doesn't so much have, but but the words themselves are actually uh, masculine. Hebrew has masculine and feminine words, and you can tell things very, very easily. Do you have something you want to put in there, Steve? <laughs> He's trying to stay out of it. <laughs> yeah, this is not letting him get away. It's in the, the book of Isaiah uh, when God was dealing with how upside down um, Israel was. Uh, and he says, Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill for him, for the reward is of his hands, and it shall be given him. And as for my people, children are their oppressors. He's talking about how children are ruling over them, right. and women shall rule over them, because it's upside down. It's it's backwards than what God established. 
But again, we, when you hear people speak this way, they're going, oh, it's authoritarian. No, it's, that's not what it's meant by these terms. It's just saying that because we are all made different, built different, and we have different roles within the kingdom. But right. it's not none of it's meant to be authoritarian. And none of it's meant to be sexist or anything. Correct. Like that. We have we, in, we have t- these two things. A lot of churches will be asked, are you egalitarian or are you complementarian? And egalitarian means everybody is completely equal, and it and in as far as our value and our worth, we are equal. But people equate equality with sameness, right? And right. that's doesn't that's not right. We're equal, but we're not the same. So there we we would be a complementarian church, and what that means is men and women complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. We're not we're not equal in the sense of being the same. We are different, and we. And we value and we celebrate our differences. And one of those, of course, overriding differences is the masculine and feminine. And it's a beautiful interplay when, it, when it's kept in the things of God. Amen. Okay. And remember this, because you always get somebody who will say, well, what about Deborah? Right. Go ahead and explain that. You well, did that during a break. <laughs> yeah. Well, it did was it just, very well. Well, you mean because I said the men were stupid? Yeah, that's uh, the one. That's well, part of it. It's because there were no men that were rising up, and God said, fine, then I will find a woman who will be that leader because the men weren't fulfilling their role. That's a real yeah. shot at the guy. It really yeah, it sure is. is. It, it, was, it was a backhanded way of going, uh, guys, you know, y'all have messed this up so bad, I'm not choosing any of you. I, I mm-hmm. will go find a woman to do what you should be doing. Absolutely. Yep. And I will go ahead and say that uh, sometimes, I know, although Deborah we know is is different, uh, in this sense, but uh, many times when woman was called a prophetess, that meant merely that she was married to a prophet. Yeah, yeah. like a princess is a woman who's married to a prince. See, that's knowing the Hebrew stuff. That's correct. And even today, if you are a, a woman and you're married to a rabbi, you're called a rebetzin. Rebetzin. It's not that you have any official function. But you carry the title of your husband in the feminine form. It's like being called he's, first lady. Right. right. He's a rabbi. You're a rabbi at sin. He's a prophet. Therefore, you are the prophetess because you're married to the prophet and so on and so forth. So a lot of times you see the word prophetess around, and the idea is they must be fulfilling a particular role, but in actuality they're, they're, married, to the, they're married to the prophet. And so you but Deborah was was different in that particular uh, and sense. And you can't just take one out and go, well, see, that yeah, changes everything. The exception is not the rule. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So I got this last question. We've got about three minutes. If you can't answer it completely, we'll pick it up next week. All right. I've read about the Jewish custom of praying at a grave site of a teacher, a respected rabbi, etc., or attaching themselves to the name of in prayers. What is this all about? How is it different than prayer in the righteous name of a saint? For instance, in the name of Mary. And if the righteous and faith are alive in Christ, is it really wrong to seek their prayers to attach yourself to their righteousness the way people do? Not pray to them what we don't do and would be idolatry. I understand that much. But I'm curious about their views, that would be you guys, on the rest of this and what differences they see between the Jewish custom and the Christian custom, which I'm told is derived from it. <clears throat> I've only seen a little bit of that, and my, I would say that if that probably falls more in of a, of a Kabbalistic or what, I, what really is a fancy way of saying that, or the Jewish way of saying the charismatic version of Judaism, hyper, they're very, very spiritual oriented. Mystic. Mystic, yeah, mystic. Yeah, yeah, yes, thank you. That's a better word. Um, but they don't, they're not 
praying in the authority of that rabbi, though that there is this mystic view that by by standing next to their grave, touching their grave, that they somehow inherit their wisdom. So, again, it's not the common uh, Jewish view, or and it's not an exact um, comparison to um, praying with the saints. I, and, I would not do it. Yeah, and I would say Correct. both are out of order. Correct. So. Yeah. I mean, they they do it, but it doesn't make it. Um, it does not make it uh, correct. Now, and they will, and that's why if you go to Israel today, uh, you'll see some guys wearing fur hats, some guys wearing fedoras, some guys wearing long trench coats, some guys wearing knickers. Uh, and the reason why they dress the way they do is because that's the way their rabbi dressed. So right. they try to emulate. I think there's an expression within Judaism that says that it is the job of a disciple not to become like his teacher, but it's the job of the disciple to, to become, become his teacher. Yep. In other words, so they try to assimilate in every way possible. And even if a rabbi's eaten his, a meal and he doesn't finish it, his students will come and eat the rest of his food for him in, in a way of trying to, he ate that, I want to eat it too. His saliva's on that, I want that. I mean, it's, this yep. is obviously extreme. And I guess going to the grave site of a famous rabbi, maybe they have some scripture in it with like when they cast the... Uh, the dead man on the bones of Elisha, hmm. and he got healed. There was some anointing transfer or something. Maybe there's some, you know, cursory verse that they're using right. there. But but you don't go to graves and, and pray over people's graves. And you As don't. As a matter of fact, that should make you ritually unclean. Yeah, so right. you're standing in a graveyard. Yeah, Sorry, there you yeah. go. get yeah. out of there. And you're touching a dead person. Yeah, yeah. ooh, that's not good. That is, I was that at, is not good. I was at a Jew, at a wedding uh, not too long ago of a of a Jewish person, actually a Holocaust survivor who had passed away, oh. and uh, and. And so we're all at the graveside. The rabbi's performing the ceremony. And over away from us on the, the road in the graveyard is a, a man standing over there. And he was a Cohen of the priestly family. He's not even allowed to come into. He, he, right. he, can't, even allow, he can't even walk on the grass. Mm-hmm. The, the graves, right? Otherwise, he would become uh, unclean. So he has to stay over there away so he couldn't participate in it. But, yes, anyone who's doing that would become uh, unclean. For next week. Yes, sir. Somebody asked about your Statements about can women be pastors? <laughs> uh, how does, hey, it wasn't just me getting hate mail this time. And here it is. How does your answer make sense in the light of Priscilla being a deacon, the masculine form of the Greek word in the New Testament, or Deborah the judge, leader over all Israel in her day? We answer Deborah. We'll take up Priscilla next week. Perfect. Yeah, good. All right. For all of you who want to learn more about the Hebrew roots, here's where you go. The American Institute dot org. That's where you need to go, and you can. You don't have to get a degree or anything from the school. You can just take the courses to learn. That's what I'm going to do. All right. So keep that in mind. Don't forget, Agape Church is at 701 Napa Valley Drive here in Little Rock. Sunday service time, 10 a.m., and their website is aclr.org. Steve, Billy, thank you for coming, and Thanks, Scott, Dave. thank you very much. We're out of here. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.